Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Dodgers knock out the Cardinals. How about the drama? That was tense, 1-1. Seemed like every base runner was a big deal. Nobody could get a hit with a run in scoring position. And eventually, Chris Taylor hits the two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth. He walks it off. Bedlam in Dodger Stadium. And for the Dodger fans, obviously, winning the game in a moment is a big deal. But I think for a lot of baseball fans, they wanted the Dodgers and the Giants. They wanted the rivalry. They wanted the 106 wins versus the 107 wins. And now they're getting it in the division series. Here we go. Plenty of drama, that's for sure. feel bad for the Cardinals, man. 17-game win streak. That was a heck of a September to get there, and then it's, it's just done. It's over. The finality of it. You can just see it on their face in the dugout. I think when you win 17 in a row in September, you think you got the magic. Anything can happen in October. And unfortunately for them, it did there in the first game. All right, coming up, we got a lot of college football for you. Um, the multiple storylines, the multiple games here. Uh, there, there are so many things uh, to touch upon here. Obviously, BYU going for 6-0. and Get halfway through the season, be undefeated. You know, for a lot of teams, the front half is the easy half of their schedule. For BYU, on paper, it looks like the front half is the hard half of the schedule. Now, if you've got to negotiate the back half with a freshman quarterback who's played two quarters of college football, obviously the degree of difficulty might go up. Who will quarterback? You know, how, how is this going to play out? Boise State's been bad against the run. Can Algier carry the load? You know, does it really matter how much quarterback player they're going to need? Is this a BYU offensive line that's been really good, being really good, and Algier being really good behind him? It won't matter if Boise State puts an extra guy up in the box, brings that safety up to try and stop the run. Maybe they just won't be able to do it. So plenty of storylines there. Utah, USC, the Pac-12 is wild and crazy. Utah is, uh, you know, coming out of just a horrific week. Um so uh, no telling how they're going to respond when Kyle gets that question directly and he says he doesn't know. If he doesn't know, I don't know how the rest of us know. Um, USC with an interim coach, it's you know been alternating wins and losses here. Two and two in the conference. Now, if they win this game and be three and two, and they don't play conference games the next two weeks with a bye and, and then Notre Dame, they might find a whole lot of the South Division coming back to them. So lots of storylines in these games. We're going to hit both of these stories through this first hour. We're going to start with Aaron Roderick, BYU's offensive coordinator, meeting with the media. So who's getting uh, the most reps in practice at quarterback? Um, Well, as of right now, nobody's been ruled out. Um, Jacob, Jaron, Baylor, Soljay, all out there getting reps just like always. Um, We have a pretty good system here of giving everybody reps. But, uh, yeah, they're all – so far nobody's been ruled out. And um, I will say Jaron's closer than Baylor right now. But um, we're – they're all – so far no, they haven't told me that anybody can't play. You knew that question was coming, so I just thought yeah, I'd no, I'm, I was ready now. for it, and that's, <laughs> that's where we stand. So we still get one more good practice tomorrow. We'll get, we'll get a lot of team reps tomorrow, and that'll be kind of the – We'll probably make a decision after tomorrow's practice. The other thing I wanted to ask about, we're going to talk to Puka later, and and I've known the Nakua's for a long time, and and they definitely have their own attitude and personality that they bring. Sometimes they kind of walk the line. I know there was a a penalty earlier in the season. How do you you try and balance that? Because you want guys to to have some swagger and, you know, that confidence in themselves, but at the same time, you don't want it to go too far. Yeah, that was one one penalty one time, but – 
those guys bring so much energy to our team. First of all, they're good players. They make us better just because they're really good players. And, uh, but they also just have a, a presence about them that brings confidence to our team. It brings energy to our team. They, they love playing the game. Both of them play so hard. I think it forces everybody else to sort of raise their, their effort level. And, and um, they've definitely made us better. Going back to the quarterback question, just I guess how tough is it to prepare in a week when, I mean, when Jaron went down, you're like, it's fine, we have Baylor. But then Baylor gets injured, and then you're like, okay, well, we have Jacob. But then hmm. you're running towards the end of your line, so how hard is it to sort of work on these guys to make sure that they're getting better but then also be preparing the team for the next game? Uh, it's not a big deal. We're, we're I mean, it's, it's – that's the job. That's part of the deal. It's, it's, uh, that's coaching. And, and like I said, right now, all of them are, uh, available as far as I know right now. So they, you know, we're, it's really, we're really not at the end of our rope right at this moment because it feels like we're getting healthier, not, not less healthy. Jay and then Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, big picture, uh, question. What, through five games, it's hard to nitpick. You're five and all, but what what would you like to see your your offense improve, uh, either this game or moving forward? Um, just you know, we, we we'd like to score a few more points. I feel like um, in each of our games, for various reasons, we've left a few points out there. And uh, the I think the good news is that it I, I don't see any glaring flaw in what we're doing. Um, we don't have any, you know, massive weaknesses that I think we have to overcome right now. Um, you know, we had uh, the first game would like to have scored a few more points. We didn't finish that game the way I wanted to. Um, but there were a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Utah and Arizona state, those were just great defenses, physical games where running the ball and using the clock, uh, became part of the part of the way to win as a team. And I thought we did a good job with that um, in the, especially in the fourth quarter in both of those games. And, uh, but in both cases, you know, if you, if you, if you're not just running the ball all the time and eating the clock, you could, you know, you might score a few more points, but you also are giving the ball back to the other team. And so we, we take a lot of pride here in playing team football. And so each game, you know, the game the other night, there was a, there was a part of that third quarter there where it was, it was tough sledding for a minute. And uh, we had three penalties. We had three, three possessions um, in the third quarter where we went three and out. And um, it really, uh, all three of those drives, we had a penalty that set us back. And so we were third and 12 on one. We were, you know, got, got to some bad, bad down and distance situations with a 14 point lead. Our defense was playing great. So uh, I was a little more conservative. It really didn't have to do with Jacob. I would have been just as conservative with anybody at quarterback right there. When you're back in your own territory with a two score lead and it's third and 12, you know, we're going to hand the ball off and run it. <laughs> and um, that's just, that's just uh, part of the game. But, you know, in those situations, I'm talking to coach Tuiaki about he's sitting right next to me in the booth and we're playing, we're playing football as a team. And so I'm really happy with that. And I think we're capable of scoring a lot of points on any given Saturday. 
would like to do that a little more often. And I think, I think you'll see it. I think it'll happen. And then you stated a few years ago, you wanted to get more chunk plays, more explosive plays. And yeah. you've, you've really done that. And yeah. no question about that. What has been the key to doing that or, or who has been the key maybe? I think the key to that was just when we decided as a staff that we're just, we're going to be aggressive. You know, we made a decision. It was around, it was around the time we played Boise state two years ago. You know, we had lost, we had lost to South Florida and, and Toledo and, and uh, kind of reached a point where we decided that, you know, we can't just keep sustaining this, uh, you know, trying to stay on schedule four yards here, four yards there, stay on schedule, you know, 14 play drive to get a touchdown. That, that, that's hard to do. And so we started finding ways to be more aggressive, whether it was throwing the ball down the field or whether it was being creative with, uh, with our personnel, you know, our, our, you know, mixing in a trick play, whatever it was, we just decided we got to be more aggressive and let it, let it rip. And so, and then as we've gotten just more time in the offense, our players have learned the system better. We've got experienced players. Then if you, if you combine that with being aggressive and your ability to run the football, then the explosive plays have a chance to happen. Aaron, where have you seen Tyler Algier improve the most as a running back from last year to this year? Um, his physical conditioning is a step above what it was last year. He's, he's a little bit bigger, a little stronger. He's always been fast. He was fast when he got here, but he's really fast now. I don't know if you guys can tell. I thought our team speed in the game, the game at Utah State, I thought our team speed really showed up. You know, we're bigger than them, but our team speed took over that game. Like their skill players can't run down our 230-pound running back in the open field. We've got team speed and our, you know, uh, I thought our defense, our defense played 50-something snaps of man coverage in that game. I don't think that's ever been done in BYU history uh, to play man coverage 40, 50 snaps. And uh, I just thought, that really stood out in that game. And Tyler was sort of the lead, the leader of the, you know, our team speed being on display. He's a fast dude. And um, the improvement he's made in a year has just been physically, he's really put in the time to build his body into uh, a great running back. I also wanted to ask you, how nice is it to know that you can insert Connor Pay at center and Campbell Barrington at right tackle and seemingly your offensive line doesn't skip a beat? Yeah, those guys did a good job. And Connor showed up in the bowl game last year for us at center um, and then played a, played a good good game the other night. Campbell Barrington's going to be a great player here. He's he's going to be a great one. I'll say it now. He's, he's not there yet, but he's on his way, and he's got a lot of ability. Jared, last question. I wanted to ask about getting ready for Boise State. What do you see from them? Uh, I see a team that's a lot better than their record. I know that. Um, I think everybody is surprised at what their record is, but you look at who they've played, uh, you know, losing a really close game to Central Florida. We all know how good they are. Um, Oklahoma State is a very good team. I mean, that that's a good football team. You can tell on film they've got big physical team, a lot of team speed. And, uh, you know, Nevada's a good team. I mean, they've they've had a tough – a couple of tough losses, I think, in there, but 
they're very well coached. They're still the same like Boise guys. I mean, they are tough guys. They do everything right. Um, and I think the ball just hasn't bounced their way a couple times this season where it's been just super close. I mean, that Oklahoma State game, there's a couple close calls in that game where they, you could argue that maybe they should have won it. Uh, and so they've got our full respect, full attention. Um, I, it, I don't see a big difference in them from now to the past. They're, they're the same guys, same good team. Just, uh, just think they've had a couple of bad breaks this season. You've played some teams that have struggled against the run. And when you've got a running back, you know, running back room with Tyler and, and Peeney and things like that, the thought is from the outside, oh, these guys should have a heyday. But then Boise State knows that as well. So how do you kind of balance your game plan approach as you kind of look at that, at what Boise State's going to try and do in the chess match and, and using your, your horses and things like that? Yeah, I think the rush defense thing is, I think it's also misleading. Um, they have, uh, they, they played a couple of really unique teams. I mean, they played some, some really unique teams, right? I mean, Central Florida, what they do is so unique. Uh, you know, it's almost like you got to have a whole, it's like, it's like going to defend Air Force or something. You got to have a whole different type of thought process when you defend a team like Central Florida. And then Utah State's defense offense is even more unique. It's like, you know, they're, they're so spread across the field. They sort of force you to sort of do some things that maybe aren't your normal defense. Uh, and so I think a couple of those games where the, some stats show up, uh, maybe it's not really indicative of who they really are on defense. I, I expect them to come in and play really tough against us, and we're, we know we're going to get their best shot. I know they're very well coached, and uh, they're very experienced. They've got, you know, those, a lot of those faces I see on that film are the same, or num- jersey numbers I see on that film are the same jersey numbers I've been seeing for two, three years. So uh, we, we know we're going to get their best shot, and we have nothing but respect for those guys. There's BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear about the Utes opponent, the USC Trojans, Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, and the podcast of champions coming up next. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com publisher and host of the podcast of Champions. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Ryan, good morning. Welcome back into the show. Good morning. Uh, I'm trying to figure out this Pac-12 football season. I, I don't know what I'm seeing each week, but it seems <laughs> pretty crazy, which I guess kind of makes sense. It's on brand for our conference here. Ryan, when it rains in L.A. in October, you know it's a screwy year. 
it's so weird. We're here, and it's like, you know, you're getting ready for this, uh, you know, football game, uh, Raiders and Chargers at SoFi Stadium, and they're, like, delaying it in an indoor stadium. We're looking outside. We didn't hear anything about thunder and lightning, and it's, like, pouring outside, and, like, it was crazy. Yeah, so weird things are going on here in uh, L.A. and in the Pac-12 in general. So I'm curious what you think of a 3-2 and two USC football team. Is it as simple as they're kind of mediocre and they've lost to two pretty good teams and beaten three teams that aren't nearly as good? Do you think their play is varying week to week? What's going on? Yeah, I think all of those things. Uh, I mean, Stanford definitely better than I thought they'd be this season. Oregon State looks, you know, legit. Um, you know, but they those are teams that you could lose to but not really get blown out at home. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And they looked, you know, very confident against Washington State and Colorado and, and you know San Jose State, but you know, I don't know how good any of those teams are. So it's to me, it just still is so much up in the air. I think once you fire a head coach after two games, you had an interim. We've seen this at USC many times over the years. So you see an interim kind of take over. There's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some things that everyone likes, maybe better. I think the whole discipline thing early on. I mean, they only had five penalties in that first game against Washington State, and Dante Williams was like, hey, that's five too many. Well, they've had significantly more than that the last couple of games. And I think, you know, the preaching, the new culture and discipline and all that is nice, but is it going to be able to stick? And asking an interim head coach to kind of keep a team together for at least 10 games, uh, that's a pretty big ask. So I I think this is just going to be sort of a grab bag season for USC. they got some really talented players, but I don't know. From week to week, I guess it's going to be like a box of chocolates. You're just not going to sure what you're going to get. Yeah, I think you can say that if you want to go big picture. It's very accurate, obviously, when you just look at their performances. And I think almost symbolic of that, if not in fact symbolic, is the play of Slovis because he's been up and down. And I'm not sure where to go with him because I thought that he was on his way to being an NFL guy and a top draft pick. Now I'm not so sure. What do you see? Yeah, that first year, 2019, uh, when when Graham Harrell's offense came in, he just looked – uh, amazing coming off the bench, you know, after JT Daniels uh, goes down with the injury. And, you know, last year, 2020, was a weird year. We talked about his mechanics not being great. I think for the, in general, he's thrown the ball a lot better uh, this year than he had than he did last year. Just the ball coming off his hands. For the most part, it looks like you know, a much more competent thrower of the football. I think not having guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughn's as security blankets out there has hurt a little bit. And he's trying to figure out who that next number two guy is going to be. You know, Drake London is amazing. Probably, you know, maybe the best player in the Pac-12, just football player. Uh, Those kind of catches he's made are, out, uh, you know, otherworldly. He's just been amazing. But you're looking for who's that number two guy. We've seen Gary Bryant Jr., you know, catch touchdowns the last three games. Michael Trigg came on. He's got his first touchdown as a true freshman. But I don't feel like outside of uh, Drake London, he knows who that next guy is going to be and maybe, you know, has the trust to be able to get off of London if he's got three guys on him and then and just find his next read and, and let the ball fly. So I think that's part of what's going on. But um, whenever you have Drake London to throw to, I think any of us could have been a, a decent quarterback. So we'll see if Slovis can kind of take that next step. But he still hasn't looked like he did when we saw him as a freshman in 2019. So you're good at this. You jumped my next question off PK's question. You answered two at one, getting into the whole issue at receiver. Uh, and we have talked about London without you here, and we've both been blown away by what he's done. But that makes me think that Kyle Whittingham and uh, the defensive coaches are just going to double him. He'll be bracketed wherever he goes. Can anyone else be one-on-one coverage and make multiple big plays? 
I mean, Taj Washington yeah, I mean, the think, next receiver, but he's got one touchdown in five games. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. And I think uh, you know he, that was the first game too. And um, he's I like Taj Washington a lot. The transfer from Memphis. He was a freshman All American. Uh, just watching his feet, uh, I think you need to use him a little bit different ways. Like they they threw like a fade to him in the first game against San Jose State and caught a touchdown. But he's five eleven. Like he's not someone that. Uh, you're trying to throw over the top two. I think you want to catch him on a post or something, get him in space, and then let him run uh, after the catch. I think that's where he's going to be the most effective. Gary Bryant Jr. is, like I mentioned, he's been uh, you know he's been catching touchdowns. Uh, he had the big one, um, you know, a couple games ago when you know Jackson Dart came into the game and it just kind of uh, generated that rally against Washington State. It was his you know touchdown over the middle that sort of sparked the whole Trojan football team, and I think. He's someone that has that capability. But I'm curious to see what Utah does because we saw a couple of years ago in the Coliseum against Matt Sink, the backup quarterback, they played a lot of man, and that's something that USC's great receivers have been able to burn them. But now, if you can play man, but you're doubling up uh, or you know getting extra help over on Drake London, now he's still capable of making those catches. We've seen him throw up at the triple coverage and come down with the ball because he's just ridiculous that way. But I feel like there's more opportunities there to maybe play man and, and make someone like a Gary Bryant or, or a Taj Washington or a Michael Trigg out of tight end position beat you because it's, they've seen some flashes there, but not, you know, there's not proven uh, production coming out of those spots. outside. Uh, like you mentioned, Drake London, that's proven production. But the other guys, I think they're sort of a you know, wait-and-see mode to see who is the one that steps up and, and becomes like the Robin to his Batman. Had a running game with Ingram going over 100 against Colorado, the Texas transfer. Is there something there that can be sustained, or is that just Colorado? Yeah, I think it's – I mean, Colorado's usually pretty good defensively, and uh, USC ran all over them. Um, and it was uh, – I think it was encouraging because they – you know, Washington State wasn't that great against the run, and USC struggled the last two years you know, running the ball there. They wanted to do like a 1-2 punch, uh, a 1A, 1B – uh, with Ingram and uh, Vavai Malpei, but they also have another transfer. Ingram's transfer from Texas. Uh, Darwin Barlow came on the scene last week, too, and I've liked what I've seen from him in camp. He's a TCU transfer, so a couple of Texas guys, and they got the, the bulk of the, the work there. So Barlow sort of worked his way into this two-man rotation that, with Vavai in there as well, but he, got, he had much more production, though Vavai got the only touchdown on the ground last week. So I'm curious to see how they use that. They, they wanted to get away from a committee, but I think it's got to, they're You're probably going to see those three guys uh, running the football, but I think Ingram's kind of made it clear that he's the, the guy, he's the number one uh, threat out there. He just can do a lot. And I think if, you know, they can get him involved in the passing game um, and we'll see, I, they haven't run a lot between the tackles. They kind of line up in a pistol sometime and then uh, bring it over to a shotgun and they do a lot of wide runs out of that. But, um, I think you might see a little bit more of that, too, just depending on how that interior of the USC offensive line plays. But Ingram's the guy, and I think he can be effective against you know most run defenses. He's, I think he's USC's uh, biggest threat right now. So the Utes have had a problem fumbling the ball. How will the USC defense be at stripping the ball? What do you think? Yeah, this, uh, it's been sort of up or down for the USC defense. We've seen you know games where they're getting in the backfield, and getting three sacks, or last week they got five sacks plus a couple of quarterback tackles that ended at the line of scrimmage. They're essentially sacks. And then they have other ones where it's just barren, like they've got nothing. Uh, the other three games, like no sacks. And I think that's going to be the key to 
forcing the ball out if you can get you know, some pressure in the backfield. And that's it's been really hit or miss uh, for USC. I think getting you know Nick Figueroa back the last couple of weeks, they saw Jacob Lichtenstein have a, a breakout game with a couple of sacks against uh, you know against Colorado last week. Uh, and we've seen Drake Jackson really sort of been the, the catalyst for everything. Uh, he had a big game uh, against uh, Colorado as well. I think when he's rolling, and sometimes they were dropping him the coverage and he's just really not been involved as much, but when he's hand on the ground, getting after the quarterback, we've just seen this defense work a lot more. So I think, you're, I think you'll see some opportunities to strip the football if they use him uh, more of the Ed Rusher guy just kind of coming in and trying to disrupt everything in the backfield. Otherwise, then I think you know some of that stuff, the misdirection stuff, USC might be kind of on their heels a little bit, and that you probably won't see any kind of uh, you know strip you know strip sacks or you know, stripping the the running back or anything like that. So to me, I would watch the front, see if they can get some pressure up there, and if they can, there's some opportunities for turnovers. So we know Dart has returned to practice on a limited basis. Any idea when he would be cleared and ready to go? Yeah, all we get from uh, Dante Williams is week to week. So it's similar, but what you guys get from <laughs> Whittingham, maybe that's even more uh, than what you guys get on injuries. But just to see him out yesterday in uh, pads you know, for the first time, and we've seen him walking around even you know days after the surgery. He looked like he was walking around you know, fine with a little knee brace on. Um, so I, I wouldn't anticipate anything happening this week, but they go into a bye week. So my guess would be, uh, he would be available for, for Notre Dame. But at this point, just to see him sort of getting back there, it, it gives you the indication that we thought it might be like a three- or four-week injury. But there's talk that it could have been a you know six- to eight-week injury. It seems like it's going to be more on the, the former side where you know his potential, his potential to come back uh, would be against Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. It is possible to go through the schedule and say, oh, look, USC is going to finish 6-6. Uh, six and six. It's also possible to go through the schedule and say they're going to finish 9-3. and three. What are the expectations for them right now? What do you think is realistic? Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's exactly right. You could look at it like they could lose any of these games, you know, and uh, but they could, they could win them all. And uh, it's crazy to look at that, um, just the way this team has, has performed up and down, just talent-wise. It's there, but uh, we've seen them play well on the road. We've seen them lay complete eggs uh, at home. So that's why I think this Utah game is going to sort of tell us a lot. I mean, if it's another home loss, especially like embarrassing fashion, I mean, I think they really have to kind of look inside and say, hey, what's going on here? This is, you know, losing to a, a Stanford or an Oregon State or a Utah or two of those teams, but you lose all three at home, there, there's something that's not quite right. And, you, you can't really blame Dante Williams. You, you get it. He took over this team on a Monday, just found out, walked into a meeting, and had to address his players like, hey, I'm the head coach now. So I can't even imagine what that would be like. But I think he's doing his best to put his stamp on this team and keep the expectations high that they've had before. I think some of the fans, of you know, the expectations are sort of meh. They're, like, they're just waiting to see who the next head coach is going to be. And maybe you know, losing that game to Oregon State uh, took a little pressure off of Dante Williams because there was talk about him potentially, you know, taking over and, and being the permanent head coach. But now I think they can just sort of focus on, all right, we've got to win games and, you know, figure out what happens at this point. So I, I think they might play a little bit looser this season. Uh, but you're right. Is it going to be six and six? Is it going to be nine and three? Somewhere in between. I'm guessing, you know, kind of an eight and four type of uh, finish for the team, which I think would be pretty good for Dante Williams if he goes out and, uh, you know, just loses a couple games for his, you know, his interim head coach tenure. Plus, he's dealing with the death of his father, too. 
yeah, I mean, that's another just kind of piled on. And, you know, when these coaches get into uh, game mode and, and season mode, it just sort of like consumes you. And then when your duties completely change and now you're running the entire program and you have to deal with something like the death of your father, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to even imagine. So, uh, I mean, he's, I think he's handled this extremely well for, for the kind of circumstances he was put in. It's not like he was a coordinator or anything. He was a cornerbacks coach. It wasn't even like the full secondary coach. But the, the fact that he's been such a good recruiter, had great relationships with most of the players that are on the roster because he recruited them, uh, I think that's helped uh, quite a bit. But, yeah, just it's amazing what he's been having to, to deal with so far this uh, short season. Well, Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And we'll just all turn on the TV and watch for three, three and a half hours and try to figure this out because it's a Pac-12 and you really don't know anything for sure. Really, we don't know. It's sort of just, yeah, this is the ultimate reality show. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I I watch this team every day and I have no clue. (laughs) So it's a weird feeling, but here we are. So it's a Pac-12. It should make it fun, though. There's Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com and the podcast of Champions. When we come back, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is talking Utes and Cougars next. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Riley Jensen, college football insider. He is on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? I'm sorry. (laughs) We got big football games. Teams, opponents that draw an emotional reaction. Utah playing USC, BYU playing Boise State. The Broncos are 2-3, and three, which is very unusual. The Cougars may have to play their third-string quarterback again. He's got two entire quarters of college football experience. But the Broncos struggle to run the ball and struggle to stop the run. Analyze this one, big guy. Well, I, I can tell you this. Um, having having a chance to watch Utah State and BYU play in person on Friday night, um, a couple of things that were that just really stood out as far as BYU goes. Um, Baylor Romney has one of the best deep balls that I've seen in college football in a long time. Unbelievable patience, plays quarterback the way that I love quarterbacks to play it. Meaning he he doesn't. He doesn't overcomplicate it. He takes what, what the defense gives him. I thought he was really good. I thought it was unfortunate that, that he got knocked out of the game because I thought he was playing such an amazing game. Um, and then when, when, when they brought in the rookie, when they brought in the freshman, um, there was definitely some nerves. And so if, if he has to play this week, um, I think that's, 
I think those two quarters are gonna are, are gonna be really really important for him. I also think that the week of practice is gonna be really good for him. And then the other thing that stood out in the BYU game is as impressive as I thought Algier has been. Just watching him on TV in person, that guy's a man. And watching him take some of the hits that he took in the Utah State game, he doesn't even get up and limp at all. There's there he. He's in great shape. He's just a brick to tackle. And um, obviously he gave Utah State everything that they could handle, and I think he's going to give teams everything that they can handle going forward. It's very few times that we see a running back in college now that can be the, 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 the every down back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He, he can run it on first down, second down, and third down and take that kind of abuse and just be ready to go the next week. It's, it's really quite impressive how good he is um, in person. It's, it's more than what you see on TV. So I think Conover gets the nod. With that in mind, what type of game plan do you think A-Rod devises? Well, I think, I think he's got he's to plan a lot of like – and one of the things – I thought A-Rod called one of his best games on Friday night. I, I love – he has a whole bunch of different, um, a different, a different twist and a different look to these these new screen passes where it looks like the receiver's running like an arrow route, but he's running behind the line of scrimmage, and then they have the wide receivers like blocking downfield for him. And he he he's got to get a few of those for Conover. He's got to he's got to get him some completions early before they throw the ball downfield. And I think I mean. If there's anything that we know about A-Rod up till now is these quarterbacks will be prepared for the games that they play in, and, and so far, so good. I mean, the, the quarterbacks have played good, with the exception of I thought Conover struggled in the third quarter, got a little bit better in the fourth quarter, but not quite the level that they need. But he'll have them, he'll have them ready for Boise State, and you're just going to get a steady dose of Tyler Algier against Boise State, the way they struggle against the run. He's going to pound the rock. He's going to set that up give Conover some play-action passes, and and I think BYU wins this game, even even with the rookie, even with the rookie starting at quarterback. A third straight year of third-string quarterbacks starting in this game. Does, this, does any of this ever sink in and slow down the transfer portal, or that's just not how 19-year-olds are wired, so never mind? Well... I mean, I have a little bit of experience with this, right? Like, I transferred, I transferred from BYU, and I was in a battle with 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 Federick and Shoemaker when I was playing at BYU, and um, Federick ended up winning the job and getting hurt. Shoemaker by the by by the midseason, Shoemaker was out, and they had Drew Miller starting, and you just, it's really hard to be that. Uh, mature and that forward thinking as a 19-year-old. I, I, I just don't know, especially in the quarterback position where it is so competitive just to get a college scholarship and it's so competitive that you want to play when you do get to where you go. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to slow down anything in the portal. However, if, if, you can, if you can be smart about things and if you can think things through, um, you're going to get your shot. It's just whether it's whether you're ready for your shot or not um, that, that matters, right? 
Yeah, and at the same time, and for Boise, Sears wasn't getting his shot in, uh, in at SC, so he got a shot in in Boise, so he played. Right. So sometimes it works. I mean, no, I know the I, theory being listen, stick around. And listen, I played at Utah State. I mean, it, it, it's not always terrible, but it's not always ideal. I mean, look, I mean, I say this all the time. I mean, very few of us are first-round draft picks, right? Most of us are sixth, seventh-round free agents. I'm not even sure that I was, you know, a first-round draft pick for my wife, but it's what you do with your chance, right? And so you just got to be ready. And and sometimes you transfer, sometimes you don't. My, my thought is when I, when I talk to quarterbacks that are getting recruited, I'm like, go to a school that if the coaches got fired – if nothing worked out for you that you'd still like to go to the school, like you'd still like going to school there. And if that's, if that's the case, then, then you're going to be able to be resilient and be able to make it through a lot of different scenarios um, wherever you go. Right. Yeah. I don't know that a third did. It is the third year in a row that uh, three third team guys started. Didn't Sears start last year and then got hurt. And then Finnegan came in. So not started played. Right. Right. So, I mean, look, this is true at every single school. Like, I, I mean, I was thinking about tweeting something out the other day just about all these second-string quarterbacks around uh, around the state of Utah that have played well. I mean, you got Romney, you got Peasley at Utah State. Um, obviously, at the University of Utah, he was the second-string guy to start out with, with Cam Rising, right? And all of these guys are ready, and I think it's impressive the mindset that some of these second-string quarterbacks have had recently to come in and play well when their number's called. I mean, there was, there was a point where Peasley at Utah State comes in and goes eight, eight of nine for like 98 yards against Air Force and, and has a big run and, and helps Utah State beat Air Force. So the, the, the mentality of a quarterback right now has got to be a little bit different than what it was, but I, I just think it's hard to, to tell an 18, 19, 20-year-old that when, when all of their hopes and dreams are based on whether they play or not, and typically a second-string quarterback doesn't play in a game unless there is an injury. So USC is three and two, two and two in conference. They are all over the map. Um, do you think it's really SC all over the map, or maybe Oregon State's way better than we expected, and Stanford's a little better than we expected? Certainly after we saw them Week One. And so we're just seeing USC as a mediocre team, and they've beaten bad teams and lost to good teams. Yeah, I kind of, I, I that's that's what I feel like. I I don't know how you keep everything together with USC right now. I mean, when you fire a coach that early in the season, it's really really hard for an interim coach to keep everybody happy and to keep everybody playing hard and 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 do what they need to do to win. Now, you know, they ran the ball a little bit better last week. They did. They, they did some things that maybe they haven't done in other games. Um, you know, Jackson Dart is, is still hurt. He's still, you know, nursing that knee. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen when he comes back. Um, you know, obviously Slovis played a little bit better He's last week. He's practicing now. Dart is. He, uh, he did return to practice. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's like ginger. It's it, it's very very light snaps. I, right. I would guess that it's two it's two weeks three weeks before yeah. he could be considered for play. Right. So you're you're looking at 
you're looking at a few different weeks, and I, and I don't even know that that's the way that they want to move. And I don't even know, I mean, personally, if I'm Jackson Dart, do I want to waste this year on a on a year where there's no head coach? Do I want to? Do I? How many games do I really want to play in? Maybe maybe you nurse that thing until there's only three games left in the season, and then that way, if you play three games, you know you, you're still under that four threshold, and it still counts as a redshirt year. I don't I don't know how you do that and how you think about that as a player right now. Um, three and out, he's going to the NFL. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm with PK. Jeez. <laughs> Three games, and you think he's going to NFL? Three years. Do the NFL requires three years out of high school, right? So it doesn't matter if he burns a year of eligibility or not. Exactly. He's going. He's going big time. Fair enough. I'm not. I'm not sure that. uh, I think he's just more worried about like, hey, I got to get on the field and I got to play well for USC. I think he'll cross that bridge when it comes. But look. USC is going to be all over the place. I think they're dangerous when the University of Utah plays them just because they are very athletic. That wide receiver is unbelievable, and I think they can make plays. Uh, it just kind of depends on, on, on which USC team shows up this week and, and whether they're happy or whether they're in a bad mood, whether they're content, whether they're not content. And it's just It seems like there's a lot of wins down there that just kind of decide whether USC is going to play well or not. And I'm looking forward to actually seeing – a USC team that's brought some stability and see if that team can't be good again. Because right now, it's just, I feel like they're a disappointment every year. I like the psychological a psychological aspect that coaches play. So if you have a crappy non-conference season, well, we're 0-0. Zero and zero. Now Utah has been saying they're 1-0. And, zero and uh, you know, there's only two teams in the south that don't have a loss and there's only i think one team in the north yep. that doesn't right. have a loss in conference play i'm speaking of so they play these games and do you think sc might be thinking hey we have two but this division is all over man you try to figure it out and it's just impossible the bruins look like they could have taken uh, maybe a light stronghold, which is sort of an oxymoron, but then they get beat and basically get run off the field against the Devils on Saturday. So the point being that you can look at it in terms of, hey, six and three might get it done. And so uh, especially or maybe in seven and two in that SC can saddle the two teams that have zero losses right now with losses so they could have tiebreakers. You think that's going through their mind and playing that psychological game? Yeah, I mean, look, coaches are going to hold on to whatever psychological game they can play, right? I mean, you, you have to you have to play the cards that you're dealt, right? And so when they're when they're there, that's 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 what you're thinking, that's what you're telling guys. You're going to come up with a good game plan, and then you're going to try and go out there and, and play good football. Now, the Utes have not typically played well down in the Coliseum. I think that I think that helps USC. I don't know. This just seems like a huge opportunity for the U. But I but I also just I don't feel like all the problems are resolved with the U. I, I, I it's it's really going to be interesting to see what happens, what their reaction is, coming off a of bye week, coming off of death of a teammate. Um, I don't know whether they're going to come out really fast or if they're going to come out flat. I mean, there's really just a lot of variables that are going on right now. You try and control the things that you can control as a coach, but as a former coach, I can tell you that you you 
you prepare and you go through scenarios with teams all the time, and then you get to the game, and the exact scenario that you prepared them for happens, and they blow it. I mean, it's it's just sometimes it's like mind blowing. You're like, that's exactly what we showed you. That's exactly what we said was going to happen, and then you you still let it happen. And so you you try and get these guys to focus as much as possible. There's been a lot of distractions for both of these teams. So I, like you said, I mean, if there's any if there's anything stable about the Pac-12 right now, it's instability. Right? I guess what USC has going for them along those lines is that they've got a bye week and then Notre Dame. So they could be back in the conference race big time, just not playing a conference game for two weeks. I mean, they've already played four. They used to played one. So they'll let everyone else come back to them, I guess. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, it's it's a long season. I when you and I, and I it, it was fun for me to be at the BYU Utah State game on Friday because I, I just forget how long those games are. Right? I mean that that was the biggest that was the biggest adjustment for me coming out of high school to to college football is like college football is a considerably longer game and there's a lot of different momentum shifts and you got to be able to weather the different momentum shifts that happen. And it's also a long football season compared to like when you're in high school. And so, you know, you if you have more veteran guys, they're they're, you know, when you've got a Covey on your team, when you've got a guy like Nick Ford who's been on the team for a while, they can help. They can help younger guys, and they can help people to understand like, hey, yeah, we're up fourteen to three right now in the second quarter, but this is a long game. Like we we got to keep doing what we're supposed to do. To, to win this game, and we got to keep doing things, and and you got to. They're also the guys that can keep telling guys like, "Hey, look, we're one and zero in conference. This is a long season. We have nine games in conference left. This is what we need to do." And so you hope those guys step forward and like they really kind of groom the, the younger guys to help them to know how difficult and how long a college football season is, and how long a college game is. I mean, the, the different momentum switches that happen in a game are, are really fascinating to me. You pumped up Algier earlier. Uh, you think he's a surefire pro, and if so, what type of pro? Boy, start he's starting to feel like it. I mean, when you when you look at pro when you look at pro running backs that that are getting a, a good amount of carries, they look a lot like him, right? Like they they're they're the guys that can. I mean, I don't think any of us look at Algier and go, oh, wow, he's a guy that like you can throw a sweep to and he's going to beat people outside and down the sideline, although he does that from time to time. But he's the guy that can run in between the tackles, and you're, and you're talking about seven yards, six yards, nine yards, four yards. I mean, even some of his two-yard runs were just really impressive because there was nothing there, and he still gets you some yards. I mean, I, it, it seems like it more and more, and I – to be honest with you, I was thinking last year, like, oh, it was a nice season he had. He had 1,200 yards. Like, the schedule wasn't as tough as maybe, you know, maybe some BYU running backs had gone against in the past. But this year he's answered every single question that I have. And I think he has some top-end speed that maybe maybe we hadn't anticipated because, I mean, you just look at him in the Arizona State game when he runs down that linebacker and he knocks the ball out. When he's, when he's breaking some of these long runs, even last year, he has some legitimate speed, and he has that power to run it inside. So I, I feel like he almost fits the pro game better than the college game right now. You see the college game with a lot of these, 
spread option teams like running a lot of sweeps and a lot of speed sweeps and all that kind of stuff. But BYU just lines up and says, hey, we're coming downhill at you and we're going to lean on you. And it looks more like a pro offense. And so I think I think he translates to the next level. Yeah, maybe a bigger, yeah. uh, bigger Zach Moss. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and I don't know how big Zach Moss is. I mean, he, he's taller. I mean, Zach Moss is pretty compact too. But I, right. I mean, I see him playing that way, right? Like, I, I mean, and he's not afraid of contact. And he certainly has shown that he's durable over the last two years. Uh, you know, knock on wood, and you saying that, that out loud. But I mean, he's really good. He's really good. I mean, there was there was a lot of fun plays in that Utah State game, and uh, you know, Devin Tompkins, the wide receiver at Utah State, he's not just a small, fast guy. He's a guy that can he can take the top off. There were three or four passes where he was over the top of BYU's defense, and then he can catch the ball over the middle. I mean, there there were there were some really really good players in that game, and I it's a it's a testament to the coaches around the state of Utah, man. They're there's some fun football going on in this state. And Tyler Algier is right at the top of all the players in this state right now. And what a cool story, right? A walk-on. He was linebacker, then he was running back, then he was linebacker, now he's running back. And man, I, I mean, it's hard not to, to wish good things on him. And everything that his teammates say is that he's a super hard worker, super humble, good guy. And that's all we can go on right now. It seems like this is a great story. Riley, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. You're the man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us each and every week. All right. Stay with us. We're going to take a break. Come back. What is trending? All the headlines are up next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Butler. Working the paint, sees Przingis, now hesitates, calmly into the middle, out to Fitz, ball fakes, penetrates, kicks, Butler catch and shoot, three angle left is perfect. Squeeze, pick and roll for Butler, he goes to the right side, retreats out, crosses over, works the left side, step back three, good, man, that is an NBA move right there. 106-97 here, a nice steal by Alston, push ahead to Butler, he's got two guys behind him, one of them's but instead he crosses over, lays it up and in. Nice. Jared Butler's had a really exciting night for Jazz fans tonight. Jared Butler, 22 points to lead the Jazz. Made half of his shots, but the Jazz lose to the Mavs 111-101 in game two of the preseason. PK, you told us about a couple guys who are going to be out, and then you said, well, you know, later today there'll be another list out. Yeah, that next list was a little longer. Yeah, I'm furious, man. I, you, you, they didn't get the W. Are you going to hit me with stats? I want the W. No, you really don't. They're paying all this money in luxury tax, and this is what we get? In the preseason, yes, this is what you get. Which no one will remember at Thanksgiving. Everybody's everybody's great. I'm high on Butler. He had one more rebound than a dead man. (laughs) Nice. Thank you, Rick (laughs) McGarris. Rick hit you with that line a few times. (laughs) Yes. So I guess now we can say it. Oh, no, I won't say it. I'll probably offend people, so I'm not going to say it. Yeah, he looked good. No doubt about it. You know, he's getting a lot of minutes because he didn't play in the summer league. He's getting 30. That's obviously a lot in a preseason game. Uh, Trent Forrest and Oni had uh, 31 and 33. So You hitting me with stats? I want the W. Well, just 
the only stat I is is play is minutes played. Yeah, they were they were lamenting the fact they didn't get to play the game. So here's a chance for him to give him time in some games. Yeah. They only started one starter. Royce O'Neal was the only starter who played, and most of the reserves that you're familiar with didn't play either. Me only got to start. So yeah, don't start in the. Uh, he picked up right where he left off. One for seven. One for six. Made the first one, and <laughs> and from there, not so much. Uh, so, don't don't start in a regular season. As a bouquet man, rebounding, you know, he rebounded in the summer league. He's massive, you know, freaking Mack truck. You know what I mean? Fourteen boards uh, in twenty-four minutes. Uh, That'll get your attention. I don't know what kind of time he's going to get in the season, if at any, if, if Whiteside is controlling the uh, favors his minutes. So I don't know anything about that there. I thought Fitz looked good. I have a little bias towards him because watch him play at St. Mary's. I don't know that he's going to make the team. Shooting will catch your eye. He made four of his five three-pointers. Yeah, he's an active kid. He was a good player for St. Mary's for sure. He's one of the rare guys uh, from St. Mary's that's not from Australia that has a shot to make the NBA. Seems like all their NBA guys are Australian. Uh, So, uh, there you go, man. Get on with it and next week and then the week after it's ready to go. Jazz continue the preseason. They got another game. Game three out of four. The Pelicans will be here in Utah for a game Monday night. Oh, Zion sweet, man. Zion Williamson. Over under on how many minutes he'll play. Continues to shove him down our throats. I don't know. 20? I don't know what what they're doing. Who's coaching them now? It seems like they change coaches every year. Who they got now? Yuck. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Yak, you got it? I think they got the Phoenix Suns. Willie Green is it's, uh, it's Willie Green. Yeah, now that I think about it. I, I, for a second there, I was going to yeah. go with uh, Chauncey Billis, but he's important. No, he's important. And Stan Van Gundy is just giving his left wing views on Twitter. Thank you, Stan. We yep. appreciate that. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Lakers announced that Trevor Ariza is out for two months. Surgery on his ankle. One of 11 new players the Lakers added in the offseason is going to be reevaluated in eight weeks. Arthroscopic debridement procedure. Oh, yeah, I've had that a couple times. Oh, really? Yeah. Right, yeah, I got debrided. I think first time I got debrided, I was a sophomore in college. 36 year olds, surgery, Lakers. I'm sure eyebrows will be raised. Well, will the unibrow's eyebrow be raised? Oh. That's really all that matters. That's a, really, that is what matters. <laughs> I wouldn't think Ariza would have a major role in this team either way. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I, I just thought it was unfortunate that he'd even think to say it. Maybe he'd just try and get under my skin, which he did piss me off. So good job for that. But that's not a bad thing either. So Raiders Derek Carr admitting that the Chargers defensive end Joey Bosa got to him with some of his comments. Trash talk. Say? Getting I, I remember what I I know he said something, but now I forgot it. Like gets shaky, rattles in the pocket or something. Wasn't some along those lines? Some know that effect, yeah. Yeah. Well, they gotta play again, so see how the next one goes and see if now the car's all fired up by that comes out with a big game. Thursday night, it's the Rams and the Seahawks in Seattle. Fox and NFL Network have this one at 6.20 tonight. An intriguing division, PK. Oh, yeah, for sure. See what happens when this division uh, plays each other and starts to beat itself up. Rams just got their first loss. Seattle started slow, lost a couple, but now they've won a couple. 
Back to 500 to 2-2. The other two guys are playing each other Sunday, right? Niners and uh, Arizona and uh, San Francisco. Saturday afternoon? This is Sunday night. Don't play Saturday. Sorry, Sunday afternoon. We got, we got, uh, we got yeah. to December. It's the second, second game in the Fox doubleheader. Yeah. Well, either way, it would be uh, afternoon. It would not be the morning. There we get the Jets or Broncos this week, DJ. Getting the Raiders. Pay attention. The Raiders. Actually, I think you're getting both because I think the Broncos might end up being the morning game on Fox. <laughs> not on my TV. <laughs> not on your TV. You'll you'll have the network because that'll be the only game on in the morning. Whatever they do, will be the only the, game. I know you got the you got the ticket. So so you, telling so me I good? got the network. Yeah, the ticket, the network. You know what I meant? Oh, okay. I thought you meant like CD You got options, baby. You got options. Yeah. Whatever they do, will be the only game on. And if you don't like it or it goes south, you got options. Patriots traded Stephen Gilmore to the Carolina Panthers for a sixth round pick. The Pro Bowl corner is expected to be ready to play for the Panthers by the end of the month. Bears have decided to go young. Justin Fields will be the starter going forward. Bears coach Manny committing to the rookie. I guess he can always decommit like a recruit, but for now he's committing to the rookie. Is that a fact? Drafted him, play him. Bears are off to a 2-2 two and two start. It's not bad. Nope. It's not bad. Game behind the Packers in the division, and they're in front of the Vikings in the line. So it's not bad at all. 17 games, long way to go. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. LSU All-American corner Derek Stingley Jr. had a medical procedure on his left foot. He's a junior, hurt the foot, hurt the foot in the summer. Unable to play in the Tigers' first three games. Re-injured the foot last month. He's missed the past two. Expected to enter next year's NFL draft, so that could be it for him as a Tiger. Northern Colorado offensive coordinator Max McCaffrey, uh, eldest brother of Christian McCaffrey, son of Northern Colorado head coach Ed McCaffrey, was reprimanded for inadvertently hitting an opposing fan with a broken clipboard. Big Sky decided it was a lack of judgment, but no malicious intent or anger. According to the school, the fan wants the broken clipboard as a souvenir. Okay. You gotta frame that and put it on the wall? It's the broken clipboard. I remember uh, I played freshman football. We were playing Brophy. Catholic school. First play. We sucked, too. And uh, we were going to throw a bomb. So fastest guy. Problem was the fastest guy had no hands. And the quarterback drops back. Play works perfect. Sure enough. Guy's open. Guy drops it. Yeah. He's behind everybody. And the coach takes the clipboard, brings his knee up, smacks it off the knee. The clipboard flies in about 10 different pieces. It's the, uh, the coach who ended up being a baseball coach for me for four years and actually hated me. We didn't get him like my East Coast attitude whatsoever. Uh, and he was Mr. Macho Man. He went. He played baseball. At Utah State. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I remember back when they had a team. Yeah. He was coaching freshman football and shattered that thing in about 20 pieces, and it went flying. I was like, what do you expect? You can't catch a cold in Phoenix in the fall, and he can't catch a football. (laughs) I don't care how fast he can run. (laughs) That was never going to work. I'm going to be on a track team in the spring. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 
Reyes on two and one. Taylor. Fly ball to left and deep. energy going to the Dodgers everything drained out of the Cardinals in that moment PK the season over so quickly they cut to the Cardinals dugout and people are just like frozen in time turned to stone meanwhile the Dodgers bouncing around at home plate yeah that's what it about that's what it's about it was tailor made <laughs> substitution he didn't even start now he had a very good first half was named the all-star team and then slumped big time over the course of the second half inserted him for Pollock and away he went man got that at, at bat I love he was sprinting down to first base really didn't matter because Bellinger was on second so <laughs> all you had to do is get there before they threw the ball from left field if it hadn't been gone uh, but he was so hyped up I yeah exactly yeah adrenaline rush right yeah he felt it left I mean, the that's bat a kid's dream. if you're a ball player Walk Whether, it off with a homer. Any ball player. I mean, I don't have to be a big leaguer. I mean, any any kid who's ever played the game, that's that's the dream, and you that'll go down in Cardinal lore. Chris Bleep and Taylor. <laughs> Cardinals got a run on a wild pitch, and then it was just uh, first inning. Then it was just leaving guys on base all over the place. Yeah, one after another, zero for eleven with runners. And scoring position. and Dodger bullpen came up big, and I was nervous because Roberts pulled uh, Scherzer out like four and a third, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. That was early. This <laughs> Snell last year of the Rays with Cash doing that, thinking, and I was texting with my friend, what are you doing? And my wife's looking at me, uh, and she was just kind of watching the game, paying, hardly paying attention. She sees me on the phone. Are you texting Wayne? And I said, <laughs> well, of course. Yes, exactly. Actually, I am. You nailed it. Yeah. And so five we were, relievers, yeah. four and two thirds right. of shutout ball, and they only gave up two hits. For sure, they two were, hits and a walk. They were on top of it. I was uh, he and I. He's a longtime Dodger fan, lifelong Dodger fan, literally. And uh, we were texting till about eleven o'clock last night before I finally said, "Okay, I got to go to bed. <laughs> I got to get some sleep here. Got to get up early." And so that was a lot of fun. And now they go to San Francisco, man. This series is so is going to be so epic. I'm saying it's going seven. Really? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What makes you say that? It's so epic, Yach. Go ahead. You can tell me. How epic is it? It's going seven. Even though it's the best of five. Huh. It's going seven. The first best of five ever to go, to go seven. seven. Yeah. Like Major League Baseball is just going to add to just to... Yeah, because there will be nothing... Decided. It'll be 2-2 after 5. And they'll decide right then before we play in game 5. Let's go 2 of 3 here. No, Not have one it's game going to be It's going to be like in the 47th inning in game 5. And then they're going to say, we got to go 7. They'll make an executive decision. It is a much-anticipated series. Rivals, 106 wins, 107 wins in the regular season. And now they square off. I know, that's incredible, man. 213 wins between them in the regular season. Wow. I know. Phenomenal number. And they got a rivalry. It's got some juice. 
first time they've squared off in the postseason. Is that correct? Head to head. Yeah, yep. they don't count that uh, the Giants win the pennant spiel. Those were uh, bonus regular season 50, games. Whatever it was. Yeah. To split the tie in 51. 51. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be mass. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, uh, what's it, Friday night starts? Yeah, today it's the American League. Chicago White Sox, Houston Astros at 2 o'clock, followed by the Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays at 6 o'clock. Both games are on Fox Sports 1. Padres fired Jace Tingler three days after they finished 79-83 and 83 and in third place in the West, 28 games behind the Giants. High hopes when the season started. Things were going well in early August, but they didn't get Scherzer. The Dodgers did, and everything fell apart. They end up with a losing record, so he's out. Yeah. Now you got to get a veteran, not a young guy. Yep. I saw, Buck Showalter. I saw plenty of that on Twitter. I did see his name, and Padre fans are helping with the search. Bucky Showalter. Buck would be good. We got to get a veteran guy. Davey Johnson. Is he still alive? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> Well, it worked for uh, the White Sox and the Astros. They got two guys in their 70s. Call Tony LaRusso, find Tony's mentor, get somebody in his 90s or his 100s. Tony yeah. just turned 77 the other day. Plenty of guys out there. That and get pitching. Get the pitching healthy. They've gone out and got pitching, and then the pitching gets hurt. Well, that's not pitching. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you need pitching. That's the injured list. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the jazz, 8 o'clock. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst at 8.30. We got football. We got basketball. We got the question of the day next. Stay with us. in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, Hot Takes Your Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment. Visit www.utahairmd.com. You don't lose your hair. I mean, it's right there. You know where it is. It's going down the drain. (laughs) A little too literal there. I know. I was with a guy in college, a roommate, and he was losing a young guy. And gosh, that train was constantly uh, just backed up, man, because he was losing it. Seemed like he was losing it every day. And he didn't like it. So this product would have been perfect for him. Got multiple questions today. One of one for the college football fans with Utah playing USC. How will the Utes respond this week? Rather well. Yeah? Yeah. You feeling good about it? Yeah. I am. Kyle got asked that question and offered no guarantees. Said he couldn't really. No, but that was really answer that. Today's Thursday. And today? Yeah. Today they're feeling it. Some investigation that I've done. 
I don't, I'm not saying they're going to win. But I think they're going to respond well. Chris says, I think they'll be dialed in. Crisis will bond them together. David will go where you and Chris won't. And he says, dominant win. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, possible. I'm, at this point, unless it's Arizona and Colorado, I'm ruling nothing out. That's a good theory right there. Especially when the other four are playing one of the other four. Referring to the other four in the South. Mm-hmm, exactly. But yeah. the same when the South plays the North. Uh, it depends on who the North is and who's available. What, what's the injury situations at the time you're playing them? I don't know if the Utes beat Washington State with Delora. I don't know that they don't, but I think they caught a break there, and I think those breaks even out. So when you get them, take advantage of them. Sometimes you don't even take advantage of them. So I mean, it's not like you're going to give it back and it doesn't count as much. I'm not saying any of that. That's just part of the factor that rolls into everything at the end of the season. Sometimes it matters when you play teams, and maybe it's not necessarily injury-related. It's just the fact like the, uh, the teams one team get better. quarterback. Yeah, who's to say? Uh, because Cam Rising is so inexperienced that in November he's not clicking big time. And so if you would have played them in October – when he's just getting started as opposed to November when he's had four or five games under his belt that he would be a lot better. So it doesn't necessarily have to be injury. Sometimes it is, but not always. Like his changes are made. These are young kids, somewhat unpredictable. So there's a lot of things that can go into it. I don't know. I'm not going to say that the Utes are going to be inspired by the tragedy because if they lose, well, what does that say? That uh, well, there's football factors. I mean, that's yeah, not the only factor. They, I mean, how many how many times are they going to fumble? How well is the pass protection going to hold up? Yeah, I don't think they're going to fumble a lot. I don't, I don't think they got epidemic issues of fumbling. How is SC going to play? That's another factor. SC's a big time wild card. Absolutely, they're a wild card here. What do they got going? They already got two losses. It's amazing that we're barely getting started in conference play, and there's only three teams with zero losses. And one of them, you can argue, well, it's because they already had their bye. In, in terms of the Utes, maybe they wouldn't have been. You don't know. I don't yeah, know that. We'll, we'll know in a week whether they get to 2-0. and yeah. But the point yeah. is, everyone, Kyle referred to it as week two, and for most teams, they, most teams are two in. But SC's four in, and the Utes are one in. So yeah, it's all over the map. Yeah, most of it. The other two, Oregon State and the Devils, are both two and zero. And what is what is that? You know, Devils got Colorado. If they would have got SC or or whomever it might be, Oregon State early, maybe they wouldn't be. So the fact that you're two and zero is nice. That's the goal. But it's not like well, Anybody you're two and zero because you're so dominant and you're the one that everyone's chasing. It's way too soon for that. And I don't believe in either of these teams that are two and zero to the point where everyone is chasing them. It's too early to say that they've had a couple of nice wins. Oregon State certainly has, and good good on them because they've been down. And Jonathan Smith, that's this is alma mater, blah blah blah. And anything that uh, the Beavers can do to usurp the Ducks, I'm all for it. Uh, they're the little guy over there, having been there many times. And so, with that in mind, good for them to play well. But still, if they're sitting there at two and two, both teams that are two and zero. Oh, if both teams that are two and zero are sitting at two and two, that's no surprise, because Devils got Stanford and then the Utes. They could easily be two and two. 
four and zero, three and one. Who knows? That's the that's the fun part of it. That's why I love Pac twelve football. Anything can happen, you know, for any team. You're waking up and Tuscaloosa, and you're going to go to the game today. Okay, what time are we going to leave the game? Are we going to stay till the fourth quarter? We're we going to leave in the middle of the third quarter because it's going to be over. What kind of fun is that? You're beating a snot at everybody week after week after week, and you got like two or three big games. Whoop de do. Pac twelve is exciting virtually every week. And you have upsets, you have fun games. Yeah, I get it. It's not the best conference. It might not even be the second or third best conference. I don't know. But it's my conference, and I enjoy the crap out of it. <laughs> and it's going to stay that way. It is. And, I, and I've been saying this. I said this long before the Utes got in the conference, as you know. I and, do know that. Yeah. So I've been saying this since I've been a kid. Since, like, I think they joined in 78 or something. And I, I picked up on it, like, 81 and have enjoyed the conference ever since. And then it multiplied for me personally when I moved to the Los Angeles area. And then I had everybody was into Pac-12 football. If you're a college football fan, then you had the whole – all my staff at the Daily Breeze we were all into it. We went to games. We were working desk shifts. We planned it out uh, on Saturday nights. A friend of mine, I may have told you this story, but we're going to see UC Los Angeles and SC. So there's like four of us, and we planned, get the work done, get in early, get the work done. Because the large, when you're working on the desk shift in newspapers, at least then anyway, a large portion of it is, a, is you sit around early, and then when the games start ending, it's a mad rush to get the paper out, right? So you got a lot of downtime in the first part, especially if you can do stuff... Like on Sunday's paper, there was always stuff that would be like the baseball page where you can do that way early, you know what I mean? Because everything's all set, baseball columns and whatnot. So we do that, and we're going to go out, and we go to this place. It's like a pizza place. Well, it's packed, and we can't find a a spot for the four of us. Well, one of my friends, who happens to be African-American, he sees a spot, and he's yelling at us, hey, come on, come on, come on. It's, I got some spots here. It's, some t- it's a picnic table area. Well, unbeknownst to him, is like 10 little white kids who are having a birthday party, and they just got up to go play the games. And the mom's looking at this guy, waving us over, yelling across the room. <laughs> just that terror in their eyes. Like, no, no, no. That's We've already got that. But, you know, he's African-American, so they want to be sensitive to the situation. They don't want to just say, get out of here. <laughs> so you got all that racial component going in. And he's innocent, right? Because he just sees seats, spots available. He doesn't realize that the kids are all playing games. Are you a Chuck E. Cheese? It's not that, but it's like might, that. Might as well be. Yeah. It was a local establishment. It had some video games and whatnot, some others, you know, uh, like with the yeah, soft pizza bobs, is, yeah. pizza bobs and IV. There's right, games. Right, yeah, right, right, right. And we just start laughing. He starts laughing when he realizes it's the middle, right in the middle of a 10-year-old's birthday party. I'm poaching the table <laughs> from these 10-year-olds. We got them. Yeah. <laughs> and the moms had a look of terror, and you could see what they were thinking and all that. So I really got into Pac-12, Pac-10 then. So I get it's not the best. And I was thinking about this the other day when I see Oregon lose. A lot of Ute fans getting high and mighty saying, oh, BYU's not going to go into a Power Five. I'm not sure, even without Oklahoma and Texas, that there's going to be a big difference between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 going forward in two years. Okay, well, Clemson just lost twice. Is there a big difference between the Big 12 and the Pac-12? 
Yes, in the Clemson, ACC? I'm going to give them. I think there isn't in the conference, but Clemson, because they've had this playoff so team, what yes. Gonna, so what we're going to have is in any given year. Except it hasn't been in any given year for Clemson. It's been every Two power year. teams. But why have we had so many blowouts in semifinals? We've gone to the four-team and the semis. And right now, aren't you anticipating that Alabama and Georgia are going to end up? At, I mean, we have a ton of injuries and stuff can happen. But aren't you anticipating right now Alabama and Georgia are going to be in opposite semis? And they're going to win. I mean, who looks prepared to stand up to them? Oklahoma doesn't look like they can score. Ohio State, for once, and Ohio State may still win the conference, but for once, that conference race looks interesting. I hope there's somebody who can stand up to them because I love the drama, and I love multiple rounds of drama. You know, but I'm talking about the Big 12 and the Pac-12. I'm not talking about the Big 10. Yeah, but I just think the whole country. (laughs) It's like we we say the SEC's great, and I don't think the SEC's great. Uh, You went to Tennessee and won. I think it is great. There are teams at the top of the SEC that are great. But there's several. I think it is great. You can't have everybody be great. That's junior high stuff. You really think there's a third team that's great? Maybe not this year, but uh, just look at the number of professionals that go into the league. They dominate. Yes, I think they are far and away better. I mean, I'm not going to focus on this year or whatever. It's not about this year. When we're gauging these conferences, it's not a singular. It's over the course of time. And if you look at the number of NFL players, they roll. Yes, I do. I think that I think it's substantially better. But they pay substantially better. The interest is substantially greater. So all the factors that lead up to it are there. All the ducks are in a row for them to be absolutely awesome. In a given year or so, I mean, LSU looks like, okay, we're on the, what's his face? Uh, Orgeron. Orgeron watch, right? So we're how gonna, it feels, because yeah, he had an right. awesome year, yeah. and now a year and a half of not awesomeness. Right, and he's sort of a, a rich man's Clay Helton. And it was like, okay, we'll give you the job, everybody loves you, you're a good dude, but can you really, really do it? Every year. Yeah. Well, he did it the one year, got Burrow down there, and they were offense was pro- prolific, and I hate the fact that they have the yard markers every five yards. It drives me nuts. <laughs> Get that The way out. they number their field. Yeah. You know you're looking at an LSU game. Yeah, I hate that. Nobody else is numbering the 15-yard line like that. No. They it let just us figure it out. It clutters up my screen. Yeah. Don't do it every five. If you're going to do that, do every yard then. But see, I think they love it. I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> no, it. You don't, but you're not an LSU fan. I don't like it. I've been in that stadium. I covered game there. Utah so, State. Uh, yeah, right before 9-11. And uh, so I look at it across the board, and I think they are dominant. Sure, yeah, that that conference is. But I think the Pac-12 is not dominant. But I don't care. I want fun. And I get fun. I get upsets. And I know they do. They want to be the big time, and that matters the money. Will this be more of an upset, or this is just more of a toss-up game going in? I I mean, it'll be an upset, but... Uh, I mean, there's always one upset. team. Exactly, because one team's favored by two or four points or so whatever. You go but, by that. Yeah. yeah. Till you get up into more than a touchdown, maybe 10 points or so. I mean, you get to 10 or 14 points, and then you're working on it. I upset, expect but. SC to come out breathing fire. Because these assistants are working for work. They need their next job. Yeah. Either they get retained, and a couple probably will, a couple usually do. Well, not if they they suck. Or they land somewhere else. 
Because look, look what you did. So if I'm whatever my position coach is, if I'm coaching whatever position, I make sure my guys, because I'm auditioning for future work, because if we, speaking from the SC standpoint, just go in and lay eggs the rest of the way, then that's going to scar me. And where am I going to go next? Probably not going to be there. And, and do I have to really, really drop down to what level? So from that position, I expect these guys to coach the heck out of these, the, whatever their position group is. Uh, Graham Harrell, you know, he was up for head coaching jobs. You heard his name being out there floating around. So he can't control a lick on what the defense does. But if the offense is looking pretty good, then he's in prime position to at least be a coordinator. I'm sure he wants to remain, if he can't be at SC, be a coordinator somewhere in a Power 5 league, right? So with with that in mind, I think they're going to be as ready as they can. And the Utes, hey, they're 1-0, man. And they had a bye. And obviously the first week and all that stuff, they didn't have a whole lot to distract them from the tragedy. At least this week, in the in the temporary, they've had some stuff to distract them, to to not focus on the death of a of a youngster, just awful. And so they can sit back and say, "Man, we got a legitimate chance to win the South." I mean, who really cares if you lose a couple of ball games early? NBYU one year start Detmer one of his years start crappy like zero and three, yep. zero or something, and they won three. the league. Right, they won the league. Then they won. Then they didn't. Then they fall. Then they they won the league. Yeah, I remember the year. I don't remember it. I mean, I remember the. So they lost. Here it is. They lost three in a row, and they were playing like Colorado. They might have played UCLA or somebody like that. But Florida State. They had a good schedule early. Whoever it was, Uh I might be mangling some years together. They started zero and three. They got in the league play. They went through it undefeated. They won eight in a row. Season finale. They played the Aztecs to a 52-52 tie. Oh, yeah. I remember being and then they went to the, that night. They went back to San Diego for the Holiday Bowl, and they played Iowa to like a 13-13 tie. It was weird yeah. that they played a really high-scoring tie, freakishly high-scoring. And they played so a they two really, ties that year? Yes, they were 8-3-2. Oh, that's, that's funny. That's yeah. funny. And it was all streaks. Three straight losses, eight straight wins, back-to-back ties. Well, that's undefeated in soccer. <laughs> well, the three, except for the three-loss thing. But no, they had I mean, a 10-game. After, game, the, after the yeah, three loss. 10 games unbeaten. That's how you spin that. Well, you don't do that. That's your silly sport. That well, there the thing Nobody is that in that, that era, the tie because the Aztecs had lost a tie game in the conference title, so they could play for I it. Didn't have to that, go but for they, two. But they did not run around. We went ten games without. No, they actually the Iowa thing was that's just Iowa thing was a downer because they threw a pick at the well, end of the game. Yeah, regardless, that's just a soccer thing on that. Whether they got an interception at the end of the game or they threw a pick at the end of the game, that a tie is not. Well, I didn't lose. And that that never flew in in the real football. So why wouldn't the Utes think that? I mean, what difference does it make? They lost to San Diego State in BYU. Mm, all right, you lost one is in overtime on a concocted two point rule that they just made up on the fly for some reason that makes no sense to me. Because we're taking care of player safety. Yeah, right. So and that. After you've had three hours of collisions. Right. <laughs> so, well, so. probably three and a half hours. Who are we kidding? Like, I, I ate three pizzas, and then I washed it down with a salad. <laughs> so, so, and one of the plays in overtime, one of the series was one play. 
They were gassed. And one play, boom, 25-yard pass to Dixon, touchdown. That's all it was. So that, I mean, it's a, it goes down as a loss, and I get it. You're not supposed to lose to teams like that, blah, blah, blah. But I, my point on that is either none, neither of those games has any bearing on Saturday. And you can go 2-0 and with arguably the best win of anybody in the South at that point. Uh, that's a good t- sports talk radio talking point. But to your point about the South, it's great. You got that one, but now there'll be another toss-up game the next week. Or in two weeks. Right. I mean, at some point you're going to hit Arizona and Colorado, and those shouldn't be toss-ups. But, yeah. But that, so but I when, get that. You haven't accomplished. You've gotten, you gotten 2-0. and All that means is you're 2-0. and That's what I'm saying about the other two teams. They're 2-0. and Good for them. But that doesn't mean, Jack, you're 2-0. and Whoop-de-doo. It's better than being 1-1. One and one. Yeah. That's what you got. But in terms of spin, then they can spin it. Well, we've rectified our situations. Well, our I problems think that, are yeah. corrected. We're 2-0, and oh, man. It changes everything. Somebody will say, you're now the first team to win in the Coliseum. Let's go be the first team to win the Pac-12 conference title. Well, let's... Yeah, let's... I mean, there'll be eight more games to go, but... At least you have a shot at that. And then if they lose, it's like, well, whoop-de-doo. SC's already got two losses. We're ahead, ahead of them even with the loss. So we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> right? Spin it. Right. They will. They'll spin it that way, particularly if it's a decent played game. Because I can live with losses, particularly at the college level, if you play well. And what I mean by that is Utah has already done that multiple times in the Coliseum. I was there on the sidelines. I felt no sadness when Troy Williams came up a yard short. They battled the heck out of the opponent in that game. A kid, a local kid, played his high school ball down the road, trying to make a play. He comes up a yard short. It sucks in the moment. But, I mean, it's not like I was proud of the Utes. They're not my Utes. But I felt good for them because they battled this team right to the end. There's a winner and loser every game. And so I don't see where you would be dejected. Now, if you go down there and lose 41-10, to 10, that's in a whole other story. Got a lot of people weighing in. Ryan, hopefully they respond well, but demanding a win certainly isn't necessary for what they've been through over the past year. And Larry says, uh, these guys have buried two friends slash brothers slash teammates in nine months. Just getting on the field is a win. Mm, well, they're going to get on the field. They're yeah. going to get on the field every time. Question marks will get answered Saturday night, 6 o'clock. The game's on Big Fox. I think we've seen situation, and it's not to diminish the tragedy in any respect whatsoever, and you have to make sure that you keep qualifying that because it's true. But I think throughout the history of sports, we've seen situations akin to this, maybe not as deep and as bad or whatever, that's up to you to decide, where people were able to focus in the moment and take their minds off of it and really take the task at hand and find ways to succeed. So it's certainly not out of the realm, particularly, I would think, I'm not a psychologist under any degree, but maybe young folk are more resilient. Can you make that argument? Seems like you can. Is it true or not? I Possibly, don't know. And, but it's, you know, you're talking about so many players. Is it, is it going to be true for every player? And they had different levels of relationship with them, I assume. So, I don't know. Start predicting that stuff. 
hard to do. Bowlers coming up in about 15 minutes. Lincoln Kennedy at 8.30. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific, you know, Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, uh, Max, why me? Hawaii, huh? Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. You okay. just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Waini means I love you. Because... You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and the P- PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Question today, hot take part two. How do you not love October baseball? You suck if you don't. Eldon says there's baseball still happening. You suck, Eldon. Scott says, great game, exclamation point. Go Dodgers. Plus, it's our Dodgers. You love October baseball if it's your team winning October baseball. That's a guarantee. Especially the way they won. Oh, you love October baseball either way. You may not like the outcome. Kevin says St. Louis is out. I am out. Football ahead. He didn't like the outcome, and he's done. He's only in for his team. Right, but then you still liked it because they qualified for it. (laughs) He liked it for eight innings. It's the (laughs) only sport where if you qualify, you break out the champagne. Nobody else does that. RSL sneaks in the playoffs. They ain't breaking out champagne. Nope. Or Cerveza. Whatever it might be. Wherever they're from. So NFL they, teams don't, uh, don't have the, uh, the yeah. crazy celebration in the locker room. Yeah, so when... We got win 10, we're in. When Memphis won the play-in, they didn't break out the champagne in the NBA. That would be the equivalent. <laughs> Maybe they should have, though. It was an accomplishment. <laughs> We got them. Except they don't. The, the the MLB doesn't take as many teams. Exactly. So it is a little bit more of an accomplishment. And then, so I mean, the Dodgers. The great thing about the Dodgers winning, if they win a World Series, they could have the most celebrations that they've ever had. They had the champagne out <laughs> after the wild card game, right? And so then you do it next round, then the round after, then the round after. They didn't have it out after they qualified for the wild card game, though, did they? If they did, I didn't see it. I don't think they did. I don't. I can't answer that. That would be unusual, though. I mean, the Cardinals took a big group pitcher, and there was a, there was a form of celebration. You know, when that but last the out card was made, game, they literally put the goggles. on. You have the pitcher and the catcher hugging. You have to have that. Absolutely, that's part of the deal. I would love to see somebody uh, when they win. The catcher runs down to the third baseman. Break it up. <laughs> Zero says, I love it. Especially when the overpaid Yankees lost even before the real playoffs started. Oh, okay. How about the overpaid? What about the Dodgers? They've got the biggest payroll. Are, the, in baseball are those now. guys overpaid, though? They're paid that cumulatively, they're paid a ton. But are the individuals overpaid relative to what they get in the NBA? Because at least those guys. That, that's the one thing I have with the NBA. It seems like average dudes, John Wall making $40 million, 
So at least, and I'd have to double check this. Maybe I'm off. But guys who make comparably in baseball, yeah. Well, the, I think big what, time players. What happens is that the well, uh, at least they were at one point. I mean, if they're signing the ten or twelve year deals, they may not be big time players at the end of the deal. If they get hurt, especially if they get hurt repeatedly, but largely, I get your point. Yeah, well, Kershaw's getting 30-some. He's not on a roster. He's hurt. Yeah. But he certainly was a big-time player for was. virtually yeah. all the time of that deal. The thing the NBA has is because you're going to pay, because of the salary cap, you've got it because there's a floor as well as a ceiling. you got to pay and guys, and, and you only got 15 uh, guys on a roster. Uh, guys make more money. Yeah, I know you're going to try to justify it, but spend money wisely. I mean, the root, root, root for the home team, I get it, but... But you have to spend it. Someone is going to pay get the, it the right guy. I got that. Doesn't it, mean you have to enough. pay the bad dudes but the money. Are, but there aren't enough right guys. So you pay. So it's a right decision, John Wall, to pay him forty million dollars. You're telling me that's the right decision? No, but you got to pay somebody all that money. So pay John Wall forty million dollars. <laughs> well, if you don't that's pay the right, him, you're going to pay somebody else, and you, you have to can be paying circular LeBron, but you all. Can't it's get a yes LeBron. or no question. Does John Wall deserve forty million dollars a year? Fans out there, you can be the one guy, but I guarantee you, ninety nine percent of the folks who are driving to work now are saying, "Right on, PK. That dude ain't worth anywhere near that." And you can logic it out as much as you want. Good for you. But the rest of us are over here saying, that guy is not worth that kind of money. DJ and PK. Let me have a drink of Sky Juice now. Water. Arrowhead. My favorite kind. You getting paid for that? Free play. I pay for it. I'm oh not like gosh. you. I, I you see a... that thing across the street? Yeah, I'll go over there. How much is it going to cost me? No. I do things just because they're right, not because oh, I have boy. financial gain. Can I get the Battle Hymn of the Republic see, for a moment? Yeah, about time. You should stand up for once and listen to it. DJ and PK, coming up next, Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the jazz. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ PK, how are you? Good. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, PK. You know, every time I hear the Tom Petty song, you know, I don't care if it's on radio or coming into the radio show, I just think of you. I don't know why now, every time I hear a Tom <laughs> Petty song, I think of PK, Patrick Kinahan. Because I won't back down. You won't back down. <laughs> Crazy. Tom Petty. In fact, uh, his de- anniversary of his death is coming up. Died October 20th. No, really? October 6th. Wow. He was born October 20th in Gainesville, and he died October 2nd, 2017. Four years. Yep. Bowler, you are in Texas for a couple of exhibition games. We've seen very little of the starters. Seen very little of the subs we've come to know, the guys who come off the second unit and play big minutes. But we've seen a lot of the guys who maybe are the future, maybe are going to get let go. I assume these two games have been used to sort that out. Who might get plugged into the rotation if somebody gets hurt? Who we got to make sure we keep the right guy so we're not on the wrong, the Clippers end of the Joe Ingles uh, career moves? 
Oh, there's no, no, there's no doubt about that. I think you know we'll see the the core group began to you know give back on the court on Monday night against New Orleans, and of course the, the Bucks will be the final preseason game on Wednesday night. Yeah, Donovan uh, was on the floor with Mike a bit in San Antonio, but uh, last night in Dallas. It was basically, as you said, uh, a group of young players that are trying to uh, formulate, uh, I think, in the minds of the coaches uh, that they can and should earn a spot on this roster. And there's a couple of guys that that we continue to talk about just because I've been impressed. I think everybody has with Jared Butler, you know, the uh, national champion out of of Baylor. And, you know, Trent Forrest and him are battling uh, for those minutes, uh, the true second unit minutes as a point guard uh, or as a two, but uh, boy, Jared Butler last night was impressive. Uh, I know it's preseason. I know you're playing against some, you know, this, uh, you know, as they call it, the, the second and third tier players at times, but Dallas put, you know, Jason Kidd last night, that was their first game. So Dallas put, you know, a pretty heavy group of starters on the floor last night, Luca, Porzingis, and others, and I just thought Jared Butler looked poised, uh, and I was very impressed. I know it's only game two of a preseason, but yeah, he's got he's got a little something they call it it, and uh, I was pretty impressed with it. I'm wondering, as you just mentioned, you mentioned both positions, and basketball has morphed into more of a non traditional, clear cut roles. Uh, do you label him as a point guard? Or he's just a modern version, yeah. and he's a backcourt guy. You know, I think the Jazz, like every team that I talk to, they're always talking more PK, as you mentioned, about positionless basketball. So they just want to plug him in is probably the best way to put it. But, you know, obviously he's got guard skills. And, um, you know, whether it's the one or the two, I mean, he's 6'4". Uh, but, gosh, he just uh, has that. And so does Trent Forrest. Both are kind of gliders. Both are very confident with the ball. Both uh, do their thing at their own pace. And I, I sense just a ton of confidence. I mean, when we talked to Butler last week, uh, he made that very clear that, look, he's won at every level. It wasn't a cocky conversation. It was just a, a young guy who believes uh, in, in what he can do. And I think you have to have that attitude to be able to make an NBA roster. Um, he's won in high school, he's won in college, and now he'd like to be able to, to win at the, the NBA level as well. Um, I was impressed with him just on our one-on-one conversations last week during the media day. Um, you know, he took every question directly and, and talked about what he learned as a champion in, in the NCAA and the pressures that go with that and now making the transition to the NBA. So you're right. Everyone's been been talking about him. I'm curious if there are other people that have impressed that maybe haven't gotten uh, as much run, but nonetheless have made a positive impression on the coaching staff. Um, I think last night also who stood out, guys, was Elijah Hughes. Um, you know, kind of a lanky, rangy guy that had some outside shooting abilities and rebounding that can run the floor. I thought he stood out, too. Uh, in, in play last night. Uh, I don't know much about this other young kid uh, that was on the floor last night, uh, Fitz, uh, but he was able to, uh, I think, make a name for himself a little bit as well. So, you know, there's there's guys, I, I, I just can't imagine, the Jazz just can't keep their, you know, they, 
people are standing out. Yeah, it was Malik Fitz on a St. Mary's. Yeah, I've uh, seen him play in St. Mary's, and I love this game. Yeah, he, he he's a guy that we didn't see much of and was a late sign. Uh, they, they, they picked him up not only just a week plus ago, and I, I was impressed with his game, too, last night. So, you know, I, I think Quinn made it clear to PK that um, – you know they want competition. Competition is good for a team that actually is is loaded with the core players. But as you guys mentioned coming in, it's about one or two or three players that will help them in the postseason when they face small ball or just strengthen the bench overall. And there's a, there's two or three players that I think are, are you know vying for that. And it's hard it's hard not to not hard is. I know it's one game last night for Fitz, but uh, again, he's another guy that jumped out. It's funny for me because you look at Quinn Snyder doing his thing. Uh, there's only, been, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's only been one rookie who's made an impact, and obviously it was a major impact in Mitchell. But even right. going back to, they were they weren't really true rookies, I guess you would call in the sense of coming out of college in your first year in the league in terms of uh, Ingles and O'Neal. You know, they had been away and been overseas and then came, but it took them a little bit. So I I get excited when I see a Butler because he does look like he's a player. And Fitz I watched in uh, college play extensively. In person I've seen him play. Uh, But it doesn't seem like, except for Mitchell, rookies are capable of having a big impact on a team that and it's not unusual for Quinn Snyder I'm not singling him out but it's more about a team that's built to win now right right no this is why it could be one of the you know a terrific pick um you know there were concerns about Butler's health that was taken care of with uh you know three different doctors one from the Jazz one from Butler's side and also from the NBA and was cleared other teams, you know, backed away, but was uh, the Jazz took him at forty, kind of rolled the dice, and I think maybe they hit. You know, again, we'll wait and see. But I remember very well on draft night, guys. Uh, you know, a lot of the you know so-called experts <clears throat> felt like there were about three to four players uh, that were taken that were actually NBA ready. I mean, were, who could walk on the floor right now and impact the roster? And Butler's name was mentioned. Uh, so that's that's quite a compliment, but it's it's nothing until you get on the floor and back it up. And so far, he's taken. He didn't play in the summer league, uh, working on a contract uh, deal with the Jazz. But uh, so far, he's turned heads. And I thought he's played poised, uh, confident, determined. Uh, he doesn't play like a rookie. I know that sounds like an overstatement, but for me, I you see guys who are nervous even in their second year. But man, he's picked up the system. Just seems like he belongs, and you can tell when a guy feels that way. Craig Bowlerjack joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. You know, as a week a can rebound. That is abundantly clear. 14 rebounds in 24 minutes is eye-popping. But so much is required now in the air, all these three-point shots and all that. Other parts of the game you think have progressed, other parts of the game that you think he's still got to work at. I mean, there isn't the pressure right now because Whiteside is there to pick up some Gobert minutes, but you never know how a season's going to unfold and when a guy might be needed. What do you think? Right, right. No, all good points, man. It was. Uh, I, I, I think, again, he's behind a little bit because of the ankle injury last year. Almost lost a season, basically, and so he's kind of on a restart. 
even though he jumped in late, late uh, in the season, uh, just what five months ago. But I, uh, you know, he's still an intriguing, you know, uh, player with the big body, as you said, in a, in a vacuum to rebound. And again, is he going to step outside, hit threes? No. Is he a low block guy? Possibly. Can he face a basket? I've seen it. Uh, but it's just, again, I think it's interesting talking about two different players. It seemed to be Jared Butler being a rookie, but everything he's been through, I think, obviously molds the way that he plays and the way he responds to pressure. As a Buki, a little bit different there, still trying to find and understand what Quinn and how you roll. Uh, but he's <laughs> make a great point. He's got the rebounding down. I mean, the body allows him to do that. And he seems like he's in really good position as well. I mean, the numbers prove that, but he seems comfortable in that regard. Still want to see more of his offensive game, which um, still hasn't still hasn't popped out yet. You've been around Mitchell a little bit. Two years ago, we're done with the first round. He said it so adamantly, and they were mm-hmm. they were done with the first round. Uh, have you been able to gather any mood of him now? You know, we had a long talk with him at shoot around yesterday. Um, you know, that guy is amazing. I mean, he handles himself way beyond. I know this is another one that gets overused, but again, Donovan's in that special group of beyond his years. Uh, he always has been. Um, you know, he's thrust into a situation his rookie year, and, and that's where you get tested, tested quickly. And um, he, he continues to, I think. What, I, what I'm impressed with is how the way he discusses his, his his approach to the game, that a good player, a great player, has to change things up and has to work on different elements each and every offseason. And, you know, this year he, he was working on, you know, knocking three down you know, off the dribble. He's, you know, done the catch and shoot. Now he wants to be able to, you know, on a dribble, pull back three, uh, obviously wants to stay healthy, trying to work on his speed. Uh, the guy just, you know, loves the game of basketball, studies it, but also is so hungry that he's not satisfied. And that's where you start to get the elite player. Uh, you know, look, Kobe was never satisfied. Michael Jordan was never satisfied. Dwayne Wade was never satisfied. They always pushed themselves and always worked on a different part of their game. He made a lot of talk about that at shoot-around yesterday and what he was, you know, working on in a very short off season, but, um, you know, hopefully the ankle's good. He says he's a hundred percent and we just saw him a little bit. I uh, mean, the whole team struggle with the three. They haven't hit many threes at all in this preseason, but, uh, they're just working on different aspects. And I'm excited to see Monday and Wednesday as I think Quinn starts to put this group together and turn the corner to, to, to get ready for the pre uh, get ready for the regular season. So the uh, general managers were surveyed anonymously, and uh-huh. they picked the Lakers to come out of the West, the Nets to win the title. The Nets, Lakers, and Bucks were the only teams that got votes to win the title. None of the other 27 did. The Jazz were picked second in the West behind the Lakers, and I'm curious if there was any acknowledgement or talk about that at all or what the uh, reaction was or just, yeah, it was just another thing. It just floated away and nobody really talked about it. Yeah, not a whisper. Not a whisper, DJ. You know, that's kind of typical. I don't know if they really want to hear that behind closed doors. Maybe a, a you know at the locker they they say something. Uh, I think they were excited. I, mean, I heard more buzz just the fact that the Jazz are the number one fan base in the NBA by GMs, right? 
I mean, that was kind of exciting as well. And I hope Jazz fans appreciate what others think of them when it comes to noise and the way that they, you know, support a, uh, a team. And it was well, well noted too. I mean, Jazz fan base, number one, pretty, pretty impressive. I don't know about those picks though. I'm not sure how the Lakers hold together. PK, come on. I'm not sure how Westbrook and, but 10 games in, AD is going to put up with that or never touch the ball. LeBron, health, age. And then what about Kyrie and Brooklyn? I mean, he can miss 41 games. I mean, it's coming down to, coming down to that where he won't be able to play on his home floor uh, because of his um, refusal to take uh, the COVID vaccination. So, man, there's a lot of stories that have already kind of popped before really the season's even, even started yet. But those are all things to watch because it's going to play a factor. Well, how about the philosophy of chasing the best record in the West, at least, because that's all they can do, and maybe in the NBA if that's what it ends up being. What do you think the Jazz are going to do as far as that? How much are they going to be all in for that? You know, you broke up at the, the front end, all in on... The on, best record, regular oh. season record. I'm wondering what's going to be their desire, you know, because it doesn't... Not that it doesn't mean anything, it just yeah. doesn't guarantee anything. It's very true. You know, a lot of teams, and I think as you get, we've seen a lot of older, you know, players get older and age, they they rest, they focus only on the on the postseason. I asked Clarkson that last week in, on Media Day, and, you know, he was, gosh, man, he was so pri- proudful, pride of the pride that the Jazz had in having and owning of the best record in the NBA. And he said, you know what? A lot of people say, ah, it doesn't matter because it does to me. Because what it does is it prepares you for the postseason. And, you know, just different players have a different perspective. But for Clarkson, you know, he was very, he was very excited that the Jazz owned it. He said, you know, you can't live in what is, But they knew they were good. Uh, and obviously disappointed when the injuries popped and hit both Donovan and Michael, you know, Mike Conley. But, uh, he's that type of guy who says, look, we can't look back, but he thought it was a good thing to prepare them for postseason play. I think if you ask the question to another player, they would say, well, it was a good thing. Uh, it was, it, you know, put us in a good position, but at the same time, did it wear them out? I don't know if those injuries were, you know, related to a 52-win season. I don't know, but um, you know, I, you watch these guys on a daily basis. They take care of themselves. I mean, that's what part of this game is about is the body uh, and knowing and a little rest here and there. But, uh, you know, I thought last year was exciting and it showed how dominant the Jazz can be, but also it showed their vulnerabilities. And that's what the Jazz tried to plug in and fix in the offseason. Bowler, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time. We will talk to you again next week. A couple more preseason games coming up, and then it'll be the real deal. All right, guys. Thanks. PK, Tom Petty, Rob. All right. Yeah, yeah. I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. Awesome. Petty. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Thanks, Bowler. Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. We will talk college and NFL football with him next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific, you know, Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, uh, Max, why me? Why me? Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. You okay. just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Waini means I love you. Because... You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's on Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best Estate Award winner, Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Lincoln, good morning. DJ PK, it's LK all day. How you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, since you've got uh, one foot in the college football world uh, at the Pac-12 Network, and you got one foot in the pro football world doing the Raider games, what is it about this side of the country, and what will be crazier when it's all said and done, the AFC West, the NFC West, or the Pac-12? <laughs> um, probably a little bit of all, depending on how you look at it, that Again, you know, we, we've been together for years now, and, and we talked about national recognition when it comes to college football and how the Pac-12 lacks respect. However, I think you guys agree with me in, in, in a sense where you it, it, you appreciate the competitiveness of the conference, the fact that they have to play nine games. Um, it really, you know, is a real round robin when it comes to divisional or conference play. So it's anyone's game. Uh, I think the South is up in the air. I think... Utah is good enough to beat SC if they can contain their uh, contain their scoring and not turn over the ball as much as they did uh, at Wazoo, and that would be the first time what Utah has beaten SC in LA if possible if yes. it happens. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, just to, you know, name a few things there. But um, on, as far as the in the, the North is just involved, you might even see the Beavers pull it out the way as strong and consistent they looked last week when I did their game against Washington. But you know, when it comes to the pro game. You know, this is not necessarily unusual. I think parity is still a part of the NFL, as it always has been. It's going to show more so when you talk about those two particular divisions, because I believe that the NFC West and the AFC West are two divisions with capable enough teams to just beat up on each other. And they'll be lucky if they can split the divisional games. And it's highly unlikely anybody's going to go through it unscathed. Um, you know, right now the Broncos haven't played anybody in division, so even though they have their first loss, and the Chargers set up top taking care of the Raiders and the Chiefs, and you know potentially what the Chiefs can do. So they're not going to be down for long, or they'll try to figure out the formula why. So I, I think it's really some competitive divisions and some good football. It'll be good fodder to talk about. I was disappointed with the Raiders' performance on, on Monday, and we know they're not a good running team, but I thought, you know, they, they really just, I don't know if bottomed out is the right phrase. So my thought for you as an old offensive lineman, maybe a combination, multiple choice question, is it of lack of talent up front or in the backfield? 
neither. What it is is a lack of cohesiveness and consistency. You have to remember when it comes to the Raiders, uh, you know, a lot of people have been, including myself, have been critical of the lack of run game. But to be fair, you know, they came into the season expecting Denzel to be playing right guard, Richie Incognito to be playing left guard, and Andre James, who's, you know, a new starter, to, to be protected by two veteran players. Well, that's not the case. Matter of fact, they just signed Jermaine Illuminor to the starting right guard now at the end of, uh, at the end of training camp, preseason. So, you know, he's had only a little bit of time to get, uh, you know, into it and involved with the offense or know the offense as well as, say, uh, Denzel Good, who's been here for, uh, been with the Raiders for a couple of years. And of course, then you have John Simpson on the other side, which is a developmental player that they've been working on since they drafted him out of Clemson. So there's inconsistencies in the front. Mainly, and also the fact that you just drafted a rookie right tackle. So there, there's a learning curve for a rookie that come into this league, no matter what position you play. With that being said, you know, you quantify that by not having Jacobs for the last three weeks, and now you get him the one game, and they made an effort and, and to try to get him established. But I'm of the mindset that certain guys do things a lot, sometimes better than others. For example, Kenyon Drake is a different running back than Peyton Barber is a different running back than Josh Jacobs. And schematic-wise, I think it's up to Gruden and, and Coach Cable, the run game uh, coach, to sit and figure out when we have whichever number in the backfield, there are runs that are conducive to their strengths, and those are the ones that we have to call and get good at, rather than trying to throw every run at the same running back. It just doesn't work that way. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. Um, are they just going to evolve then? And how much as all these seasons get longer, should we really reserve judgment in September and early October because these seasons are long and teams are going to evolve? I would say going forward, because it's sort of been established over the past uh, eight, nine years, maybe maybe even the last decade, you can consider that the real preseason is the first month of the season for football teams because they're really not doing much or, or trying to do much in the preseason. They just don't want to run the risk. So the real season, the, the real preseason or exhibition style comes from the first month of football. Now, it's a very dangerous game. If you start off in the hole 0-4, then you have to spend that much more time climbing out, obviously. But you really don't know who you will have until you play someone. And I've been critical of the Raiders the entire preseason because they didn't play anybody in the preseason. And then they, they say they're saving them for the first game. You come out after the first game, and you finally you beat Baltimore in overtime, but you have 17 guys on the injured reserve, injured injury list the next day, you know, the post game and, and the Tuesday and Wednesday. So, you know, where are you without? Where are you? You lost two good players in Jeremy McCoy and Denzel Good. First game of the season. They're on IR done for the season. Richie Incognito has yet to play, and it's been, you know, they've, not, they've had him on IR now, so he can't quite come back to play for a couple of weeks. So all that being said, where are you? Are you better now after not skipping preseason or not getting that type of conditioning, or are you worse off because you're still trying to find your way? I know that's a mouthful, but the fact is that the Raiders are 3-1, and one, and if you would have come into the season looking at that first month of football and say you can be 3-1 after it, I know they would have taken it. Is Justin Herbert big time? Because he looks it to me, but I'm an untrained eye. <laughs> he is big time. You know, you think about the job that he did stepping up for Tyrod Taylor last year after the, the sort of medical mishap against the Chiefs and growing throughout the season. And I thought the Chargers record, the Chargers team was better than their actual record last year. They just mismanaged a lot of games. Uh, Herbert, if there's, if there's one criticism, and it's, it was kind of 
seen in the in Monday night game. If there's one criticism or one thing that he needs to get better on, it's his touch on the long ball. Um, he doesn't really have – it really doesn't put an arc on the long ball. There were three missed throws that if he would have connected would have just – you know, really put the Chargers over top even more so than they were. Uh, but, you know, he still has to learn that touch on that long ball. And I think he'll get it. It'll come in time. But for the most part, he's got enough weapons behind him. Their sound offensive system, the fact that he can use his legs when it comes down to it, this is a, this is a very good football team in the Chargers. So this uh, Chief defense has given up 31 points a game, which is a stunning and staggering number. Should I think they're going to evolve and this is just the preseason for them and Andy Reid and his staff will get that figured out, or this is going to be a major problem? I'm one of the minorities that believe in that there is a such thing as a, a Super Bowl hangover. Now, the Chiefs have gone to the last two Super Bowls having won one. And, and it's hard, as you guys know, it's, it's hardly been done in, in league history to go to three straight Super Bowls. With that being said, I think the Chiefs' number is up for this year. I think the teams and the parity have so much close of the gap to where it's not going to be even where they're just going to walk away with the division. There's going to be a challenge you know, for this division, uh, this division title, let alone in the playoffs. More importantly, there are a lot of teams that have gotten better. I mean, look at Buffalo. You know, you, we just talked about the Chargers, just to name a few. I, have to, I think the Raiders and the Chargers, it's going to come down to the final game of the regular season in January for the division title. That's kind of what I'm projecting, that the winner win, wins that and takes it all. So um, with that being said, I think the AFC has closed this gap a little bit. I still think the Chiefs are capable, obviously, with those offensive weapons. You can't count them out. But more and more teams are becoming – a build, having the ability to score touchdowns rather than just settle for field goals. And that is what ultimately challenges the Chiefs. Their defense is porous. This defense has been you know, not as great for many years now. But the fact is, is that people haven't always been able to score touchdowns. Now they can. And that's what's going to make the, the competition close the gap a little bit more on the Chiefs. As far as the Pac-12, particularly the South, maybe even the North, I'm not buying anybody, and at the same time, I'm not. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna rule out Arizona and Colorado, and even SC right. with two losses. Obviously, they can't afford another one, so they may have to win out, right. and that might be too difficult. But it's check with me Saturday night each week, and I'll give you my updated yeah. opinion. I don't know that I can make any declarations about whichever team at this point. Mm. No, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think SC is not going to win out. I, as I said a moment ago, I think Utah has a great chance to, to get them if they can limit the mistakes and just play within themselves. Because I still think they have a tremendous formula for success. But, you know, UCLA has shown some improvement and shown times where if you can't stop the running game, then it can be a long night for you. Um, ASU is – I haven't seen ASU play a consistent game yet this season, and I don't know if they'll get it together. They do have some, you know, some power and potentially dangerous, but – they have to play a consistent game. As far as the North, the North is in turmoil. I think Stanford has found a way to, to, to right the ship, even to see how they come back after their injuries. Oregon is still capable, but they need better play out of Brown, their quarterback. He's not reading his progressions, in my opinion, and, and I, I think that he's not necessarily uh, comfortable with throwing down the field or trusting the receivers to throw down the field to really stretch that, the opposing defenses. And they can only rely on the run game so much. Oregon State has a has a favorable schedule now that they've beaten uh, SC and and, uh, and they've beaten Washington. Washington is now still trying to figure out their coaching issues, but you know they, everything is really up in the air. And, and, and there's going to be teams that are going to beat, get a hold of them, or you know get the best of them. No one could expect Wazoo would beat Cal at Cal, but it happens. 
Oregon State has won four in a row, and I know Hawaii and Idaho at home, they're supposed to win. But SC and Washington, I mean, how far are they going to stretch this out? Now, it's three of those four games are at home, and two, you know, they're highly favored in. So I don't want to get too crazy here, but it's fun to watch Cinderella win, and Oregon State qualifies as Cinderella. Those are big wins for Oregon State. You know, there's no way, there's no if, ands, buts about it. The fact that they hadn't beaten Washington in what, I think it was 11 years, they conquered that. The fact that they hadn't beaten the SC in L.A. since 1960, I mean, they got over that. Those are big wins for the program, and it's it's a motivating factor that's going to take the program far. Look, their secondary is some guys, or some guys that are going to be playing in the National Football League on Sunday. Um, they've got some good players on that team, and they've got a good formula with their dual backs that if they can just remain consistent and one of the better offensive line coaches in all of college football, if they can just remain consistent and limit the amount of turnovers, that's a good football team, especially in the North. And I think they can challenge just about anybody. They've already proven that they have. They can challenge anybody. Uh, but I think they're capable of playing with everyone uh, on the rest of their schedule. So you've played at all levels at the highest level, and this Urban Meyer thing has been a big story here nationally. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what to make of it. Obviously, it's not a good look. But if they're 4-0, is it not as bad a look? (laughs) So are we combining that stuff at the bar or restaurant the other night? Is and, and it's his personal life, and you know, obviously, I wouldn't condone it by any stretch. But nevertheless, he's not breaking any laws. And then we hear these guys, well, he has no respect to the locker room and all. And I'm wondering, well, wait a second, these guys are 0 4, so do we have respect for them? What do you just make of the whole situation as far as his ability to get what he wants accomplished done in Jacksonville? You know. To me, there are guys who are cut out for certain levels, and they're just good at what they do at that level. Nick Saban is a better college football coach than he was a pro coach. Same could be said in many ways about Harbaugh and Michigan. I think there are guys that you know I, I kind of deem like control freaks. Chip Kelly is another one. Control freaks need to have their way of controlling things, their surroundings, and their way. It's not the same when a college coach goes up to the next level because – a lot of those veterans, you know, when you come into a locker room and you're just like, hey, guys, I want you to buy it. I want you to support me. I want you to follow me. I'm going to lead you to promise land. When it's all said and done, athletes on a professional level just want to win. They don't care who does it. They just want to win. There was so much hype coming into Trevor Lawrence. There was so much hype coming into Urban Meyer that you had a ton of people who were buying in excited. And to me, the Jacksonville Jaguars weren't a bad football team. The last couple of years, they were just a quarterback away of really making an impact or making a statement, and, and especially in that division. And they are supposed to have their their dream quarterback, Sunshine, if you will, from a member of the Titans. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be that answer, and Urban Meyer was supposed to be that answer, and it hasn't turned out to be that way. And now you have this little, you know, off the field incident. And I say little because it is it is you know personal business; it shouldn't be blown out of proportion the way it has been. But the fact that you have a big name, you also have a big program that has an opening at SC, and everyone is speculating that Urban Meyer or someone like that magnitude is going to go and take that job. When you see this sort of get out and kind of carry it, it creates an opinion. And it's not necessarily a favorable opinion when people are looking at him. So I don't know if he's lost the locker room. I've seen uh, I've seen bits and pieces of the Jaguars games that it's not that they you know haven't played hard at times. It's just they they've been out schemed and just been beaten, which happens. So um, they're not really sure how far this thing is going to run, but it's unfortunate nonetheless. And you would think 
you would think that someone who's been around and been around various big programs and had its fair share of scandals kind of follow him, that he'd be more mindful, even though it was at his own club, still be more mindful of the possibility uh, that, that we're trying to express to the younger generation to try to stay clear of and be mindful of when they're off the field. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, every week, DJ, PK, and LK. LK, we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Coming up, your reaction to all of that. Grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your take. We heard from Bowler on the Jazz. Heard from Lincoln Kennedy on the Raiders and the NFL and on the crazy start to the Pac-12 season. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to LaBelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays are presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Just had Lincoln Kennedy on talking a little football. We had Bowler on talking basketball before that. You're pondering, PK. What are you pondering? What well, did one uh, of these guys. This, this time is, of year, I'm always pondering Pac 12. Yeah. Always. It's never far from my mind. And trying to project. I'm reading a piece on Washington right now and how they're two and three. And can they be bowl eligible? They've been bowl eligible. Every year, and last year, well, they're not bowl eligible, participated in bowls, but last year, you know, they didn't, the situation, because they didn't, they didn't even get to defend or play when they won the North, and now they're two and three, and they're here recruiting in Salt Lake City area this week, I can tell you that, that's an absolute fact, they have a bye week, and so that's cool for our community that uh, they would send an assistant coach from Washington into our community to, commute, uh, to uh, recruit our kids. Uh, that I think that's a sign of respect of the quality of football that's played here in in our, sure. in our area. It's also not surprising. I would expect all twelve yeah. teams would go through. Yeah, but through on a bye Utah. week, this is not the spring when you got unlimited amounts of time. This is a bye week. You're a choosing narrow, more window, yeah. a more narrow window here. Yeah, and so not to say that he hasn't gone other places. So you're not going to send you're not going to hit every place during a bye week in the spring when you have the campus visits and so forth that's another story so to me it is a little bit of surprise i don't know how many kids they have from utah on their team uh, i know they had the jones kid the receiver but then he went to fresno other than that i'm hard pressed to think of anybody no, that P- well Naku, 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 and he went to BYU yeah, right. so you got those two and then they both leave uh, so that's a couple of kids for sure yeah so uh, it's worth it uh, but the point I'm making is that they're in danger of not getting six wins this year. Uh, it could happen. I mean, they they are a team that gets to play Arizona and Colorado, so I would think that's four. four and three. So can you go two and three the rest of the way? I don't know. That's the nature of this yep. 
for better or worse, what nationally is, it's for worse, for but worse. for us, in terms of entertainment, it's for better. Which leads me to believe that I'm not going to eliminate you, the Utes until literally they are eliminated. Don't eliminate anybody because whoever has the lead could back up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eliminate Colorado and Arizona. And I take tremendous glee in eliminating Arizona. <laughs> but at the same time... Arizona 0-4 and 0-1. And the other four... Let's see what these Utes can do. And there's been a lot of negative. This is the, this is like the first adversity that the Utah football program has had in years. Years. Where it's lingered from week to week to week. You know, they lost the Pac-12 title game. All right, it sucked. But the season's over. It didn't linger. You can talk about the bowl game, but I don't give a crap. But it's about different that. losing two non-conference games yeah. going to conference when you've only lost one non-conference game in a decade, and then right. you lose two in consecutive weeks. Right. And so they're in a position where they haven't been in since what 2015, 2016. I guess they lost four in a row. Tyler Huntley's uh, sophomore year. And you may have heard that it was in bleep. It was bleeping embarrassing. As a matter of fact, I did hear that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it, thank you. <laughs> they heard that because I was there to get that and record that. Uh, another advantage of uh, going on the road with these teams is I was standing right there. And, and you know, I didn't even bat an eyelash when he said it. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I realize it's embarrassing, so-called, for the university. It is less than ideal. But at it, the same time, it's not the worst thing that's it happened. Didn't, so. It didn't phase me at all. Four games straight, we lost. Embarrassing. Yeah, excuse my language, but... Okay, guys. Okay, guys, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Liz. Now we're done. We're but done. she's got a job to do, and I respected that Yeah, job. she, ha- she has so no problem there. <laughs> if there had been a second outburst, she would have had to answer that. She didn't have to answer the yeah, first one. But, but no, no Ute fan looked at that and just didn't even bat an eyelash, man. So what? Because <laughs> they did think it was bleeping embarrassing. Oh, yeah, they got smoked that game. They, they sucked that game. Yeah. I remember that being uh, up there in Oregon at the Autzen Stadium at that time. So that's why I'm really intrigued to see how this team responds. So much intrigue in so many different levels across the board. Uh, The teams that are fighting, the four teams, and I'd play this uh, because of the standings and the fact that the uh, Trojans have two losses and they're somewhat of a mess, I put them as the fourth place if you're doing a power poll right now. You but might. it's all a snapshot and it's right now. Yeah, it really is. Because it's literally only right now. If they win, then they get a bye week, and then they're playing Notre Dame. And who knows what kind of chaos and teams beating each other up. And 3-2, and two, holding a tiebreaker over the Utes, it might look pretty good in a couple weeks. Doesn't look so good right now. It might look pretty good in a couple weeks. It could, yeah, because you could see a scenario. Suppose the Devils win, beat Stanford tomorrow. Well, then next week they're here. That's going to be hard. And so they they could lose two out of three. Come, they could easily come back to the fold. They could come back to the fold starting tomorrow night. This is a uh, October always looked difficult, but I think the way the season has happened, it looks more difficult than it looked on paper back when we were looking at the schedule in July or August. For whom? Everybody? For the Utes. Okay. Because they're at USC, which we thought was going to be a big game. They're home to ASU, which we thought was going to be a big game. Uh-huh. And now whatever your projections were for Oregon State and UCLA, they're at the high end of the projections. Right now. 
Agreed. <laughs> and that's what we're going to say about the Pac-12 every week all year long. Which, as you say, is going to be a sign of weakness nationally, but wildly entertaining if you're trying to figure out if your team's going to get to the Pac-12 title game. But yeah. right now, on paper, you know, it looked like they had real difficult back-to-back games that could define the South. And now those other two games, man, Oregon State's won four in a row. UCLA, I don't know what you're going to get. Can you, can you throw the ball well enough to take advantage of their pass defense? Because it doesn't look very good. Oh, their pass defense sucks. Right. So can you take advantage of it? Who? Oh, are you talking about the, the opponent? Utes. I thought you were talking about every the opponent. That's the question for yes, every opponent. Yes, they have to. They have to. But it's specifically a question for the Utes. Yes, I, think, I believe they can. And that might be the most outrageous statement I make all month. <laughs> I believe they can. <laughs> I, I believe they can. Because when you're saying that Utah's throw game can be good enough, that's really going out on a limb here. I may, I may come to regret that. That might be my arm and Gilliam. Could be. <laughs> because they have no history of doing it. But going but into the silly. Sun Devil game, they gave it up 330 yards. And the Sun Devils didn't get 330 yards because they ran the ball and didn't need to get 330 yards. If they did, they would have. Because they've got a pretty good running back. Uh, got two. But One guy didn't play against BYU, but he's right. good. But because they were running the ball well, when they did take shots, they made big plays. Now, they're not drop back, throw it 50 times a game team. No, not at all. Not at all. But when they did throw it, they made big plays. and oh, they plenty. Made, they made big plays down the field. Yeah, they'll take that every game. Absolutely. Run it well and then hit on a 50-yard pass. Yeah. Golden. Excellent. Kyle thinks the same way. Hopes his team can do the same thing when they get there, but that's at the end of the month, so that's there's a not way a, away. There's not a lot of difference in the philosophies between Herm and Kyle. No. A lot of similarities. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. I'm ready for you. Boom! Ooh, man. So we were just discussing. <laughs> we were just discussing the Utes, the craziness in the Pac-12, and how big the month of October is going to be for the Utes. Not just with these first two games, USC and ASU, which we've been looking forward to. Oh, for literally a long the rest time. of the month. But then Oregon State and UCLA look Great out, month. and we were just talking about UCLA. They don't have the pass defense. ASU exploited when they chose to, but they ran a lot and then hit on a few big pass plays. But they That's hit when they needed offense, to. Yeah. When they were backed up there in their own end zone, they threw a ball 30, 35 yards downfield, got a 50-yard gain out of it with a catch and run. It was a big play. Yep. And it occurs to me that we can pivot from that to the BYU-Boise State game without missing a beat because isn't that how the Cougars are going to have to attack the Broncos? You got Tyler Algier. You know the Broncos are ranked 106th in rush defense. They are going to have to bring an extra defender up to stop Tyler. Probably going to run Algier anyway and see where oh, they get with that. They are. But you also know that means the extra safety's up. There's going to be man coverage outside. There's going to be a chance. Oh, you're to breaking hit it down. Like it is. I like it, man. He's not just a hoop guy bringing the safety down. Yeah. Yeah. It's cold in here traditionally. Not so bad today, but I just got a lot warmer. <sighs> I did, I did that hot air, probably heated this up a good two and a half degrees. Now when you start jarging me football. Yeah, I think we well, went from. And the tight end's going to be chip locking the backer off the A gap. So I, mean, I didn't yeah. say that. Now you're making stuff up. <laughs> I think we just went from 46 degrees to 48 and a half degrees in here with me belching Man, out that hot air. Look at that. The safety's going to come down, calling audibles. 
Oh, man, this is, geez, I'm gonna, let me get out my notepad. Now that you're done mocking me, are you going to agree with me? <laughs> I don't know. You're not mocking me. Bring the safety down. What, 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 was he up? I don't know what that means. I mean, come on. You do too. You're lying. <laughs> I think BYU approaches games, for the BYU fan perspective, it really isn't about Boise. It is a an absolute repeat of last season. Because we're at the same point this season as last season, only they have a better schedule this year on paper going forward, right? So it's about finding ways to win and check off that game, check off the next game, keep checking them off, and see if you can finish 12-0. and zero. As crazy as it sounds for a program that before last season had been so mediocre, that's where we are. That's where we were last year. And they didn't get it done against Coastal, obviously. And and you fans like to make fun of Coastal Carolina, but I believe they're ranked. Uh, so. They are. Number 16 <laughs> yeah. this week. So they lost in a game with little preparation to a program that, at least rankings-wise, is way better than yours. Even though I don't believe it, but nevertheless... <laughs> Uh, the rankings indicate as such. So if you, that's the big picture for BYU. It's get through this week, and then, man, we got another few days to catch our breath and try to keep this train going and see if it literally can get to the end of the tracks because, wow, that would be something. Now, individually, BYU's going to do what they're going to do. I don't see where nothing, nothing changes. Whether it's Conover or they decide that Hall, last second, we can play him. You know, I believe Conover's going to play. They'll make their decision. I'm not breaking news here. I don't want those guys to get mad at me as far as the quarterback. Because it doesn't matter. Who cares? The quarterback. I mean, you care. But whether I tell you it's going to be, it's going it, on Saturday, the, if it's the kid, he'll run out and take the snap. So we'll all see it. So just be patient and you'll, you'll see it. But I don't think the game plan changes at all. Really? No. You didn't think the second half? Okay, is that because Connor has a week that's to the prepare? Other day. Yeah, the other yeah. day it changed. But you think with a week to prepare, they'll be cutting Conover loose and it'll look more well, like. Well, I don't know that they cut Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney loose. Did they cut them loose? Were they throwing the ball all the time? That would be irresponsible of A Rod to be. Whatever, definitely cutting loose. I don't know the amount. Three out of every four plays you're throwing. That's not going to be who they are. I don't know about the amount of throws. I would refer more to the the difficulty of the throws. They'll take shots. You know the the throw Romney got got hurt on when he gets hit and you know his head hits the Mm -hmm. the turf. You know that throws downfield. There's some danger there. If you read it right, you're fine. If you don't, you're in trouble. He's fine. Whereas with Conover. And man, they were just. It's like A Rod was calling on all his experience, right? You put Algier in motion, you throw him the pass. It's behind line of scrimmage. It's relatively safe. Not that we well, haven't seen bad thing things. Behind like, line of scrimmage, so the, the receivers can block. Yep, and the receivers are blocking. They get a fifteen yard gain. If they throw out it ahead of it, then they can't block until he catches the ball and all that right. stuff. So right, I mean, but that's it's why a they safe, do, That's a rule thing. That it's they a do. safer throw sure, for a quarterback. Sure, they'll have safe throws, and they'll they'll see how it goes. But at the same time, I don't know that that would change. It would it would change a little. I'll grant you that. There's a little more. Okay. And I think that if we talk to quarterbacks, a little more that, skepticism. That the one thing that's kind of the constant growing up is if you can get if you're thrown into man coverage, 
you've done that your whole life. Colleges, those defenses, they'll they'll confuse you. They're going to be more, you know, yeah. more technical. I really don't give a crap what you trickery. did in high school, right? But when you but when you know the safety's playing a run, and you're going to have man coverage over there, that's an easier throw for a quarterback. That's an easier. But I don't. That's an easier they'll deal. They'll see what the nature of the game is. They may not have to use the kid at all. Yeah, well, literally, if, or even when he's in there, because, because the run game might work that well. Yeah, I think we're going to see Algier at the end of this season. We're going to look back at his two-year career at BYU and say, as a running back, assuming he goes to the NFL, this kid was absolutely phenomenal. And They're really good running backs. It took, to go us, to the it NFL. took us a while to buy into it because it took them a while to buy into it. They were they didn't even know what position he was playing, and he was a walk-on, so he has that stigma. He wasn't a big five star. Not that BYU ever gets any big five star running back. But they knew. Anyway. They knew when they re- they knew when they got yeah. Luke Staley. They knew they had a guy. They knew when they got Harbionga. They knew they had a big time running back. Yeah. So and and they guys had told me about that before they even stepped foot on campus or when they first got there. So with that in mind, this kid didn't have any form of buildup. But I think when we look back, we're going to say, man, he was special. He was right there with those other guys. And it's possible, remains to be seen, but it's very possible that I'm always going to go right now, from what I've seen, Staley number one, since I've been here, as the best running back that BYU has had. I put I put Luke number one. And I when we're done here in a few months, I could say Algier is number two. And people might want to argue, and that's fine. That's what well, that's the fun let's of it. Let's see how many more two hundred yard games he puts up. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. nobody last week was talking about. Hey, I'll bet Algier goes up there and runs for two hundred yards on Logan, but he did it. So they're going to establish that they've developed an offense that has found amount uh, amount of consistency. A Rod's been calling plays now for two years, right? So we know what he's going to do. He's going to mix in a couple of trick plays. He always does. He's going to pick his spots and see where they're at. Uh, but I don't think they're going to go. The idea being, oh, that's you know, it's it's cliche. You get him a layup so he feels good about seeing the ball go in the basket. Get him a little swing pass so he feels good. That's a bunch of cliche stuff, as far as I'm concerned. You know that if they, because if you're that weak, you need to throw a screen pass so you're one for one then I'm really worried about you to begin with. And if you're that weak that you need to get a layup so you feel good about Does Donovan Mitchell need to get a layup to see the ball go in the basket? Probably not. No. 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 So, I mean, that's what Although even what Donovan Mitchell, if he misses three in a row, will go to the rim and try to get something easy. If it's there, but fine. Miss, miss three in a row and then nail a 20-footer. That's what I love. I love guys, anybody, when you're feeling it at that level, and even at the college level, when you're feeling it and everything's clicking, great. Anybody could do it at that, not anybody, but anybody who's good enough at that level can do that. I like to see you turn around and you do something when things are down. Like I've been talking about the Utes. This is the first form of adversity that has been continuing from week to week that they've faced in four or five years. Now let's see what you got here on Saturday at 6 o'clock. And for this BYU offense, all right, man, you may have to go with this kid here and let's see what you got because 
You recruited him, and I, I can tell you there was a program this summer that was telling him, why don't you come to our program? I can tell you that. That happened. Yeah. College football just, 2021, baby. We'll, we'll just leave that alone. But I can tell you that's a fact that that happened. So there's programs that want the kid. I'm not going to baby him. I'm not going to be irresponsible if I'm A-Rod either, but I'm not going to hold his hand, metaphorically. No, it's time to play, man. You've been in the program for over a year. You've been working, and obviously they've been giving him more reps this week because they know that it's a strong, strong possibility. I'm not making any announcements, so be well, you can't get mad at me. Others, let others who need publicity, let them run their mouths on Twitter and do all that stuff. That's fine. They need it. I don't need it. I'm very secure in my employment. So I've got my audience, and my audience is extremely loyal. They love me, and I love them. We're like Barney the Dinosaur with each other. The stream of consciousness is beautiful. Don't say a word. See what's right in front of my face. Don't blame me. Somebody put it there. I'm just saying. This this is a microphone. As DJ said, it was beautiful. (laughs) BYU, Boise State, quarterback, purple dinosaur. (laughs) Wait, don't they play on a purple, almost purple field? No. Well, I told you Washington was in uh, along the Wasatch Front and recruiting. And what color are they? Purple. Right. I can tell you one school, there's a bunch of purple running around today. So there you go. I had purple on the mind. You know, this is not a purple haze. These are purple days. (laughs) You are absolutely the best at the straight guy. There is no straight guy better than you. I gave him an air rim shot right there. A little air drumming during the show. This doesn't really translate on radio, but it cracked him up, so that's the important thing. And the look. you got to have the facial (laughs) expression, too. So (laughs) That combination was an absolute winner. (laughs) I'm telling you, you're... You got me. I knew Unrespected as a I knew Purple Haze was coming. I did not know Purple Days was coming. That's what you got me with. (laughs) So this is what these guys are getting paid this cash for. A-Rod, it's up to him to devise a plan to successfully move the ball. Kalani doesn't give a crap. He's stated it a thousand times. He doesn't care how it's done. Just score me points. That's all I want. You can do whatever you want. Just score me points. That's the whole point of this. So big deal. If they got a third team, inexperienced, blah, 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 blah. In the end, it doesn't matter. Just like last year, BYU chose to play Coastal Carolina. Well, don't tell me after the fact, oh, well, you had to get out, you made the game Wednesday night, and you had to leave at 2 in the morning to get there. I don't care. You chose to play it. Right? You were supposed to win. They you didn't. Pl- plenty of pats on the back for playing that game. And that's great. And, the, and, it, and it's a reasonable reason as to why they didn't win. But so what? You chose to play it. We and, still and call them 11 on the back for playing. Yep. We still call them 11 Yeah. One. And it's 16 out of 17. It is what it is. So now you got this guy, and you've got other talented players. I can make a strong, strong case when I include everybody else minus the quarterback. This offensive unit is as strong as any offensive unit they've had since when. Fill in the blank. 
Mm, do you want to go Pitta, Collie, Max Hall? I was going to say that's probably the most recent. That was that was a really good group. That's, yeah. that's 08, 09, the, 10. Right. You got uh, three guys who played the in the NFL. The Cotton Bowl group was phenomenal. Um, yeah. The two but of the boy, since that, since that group, I don't, I don't think Well, back senior together. year, they were really good. Yeah. With Coates and, and Harleen. And Curtis Brown. Is Curtis Brown at running Curtis back? Brown was a really good running back. He just was a little bit slow for the NFL, but he was good. And Beck was sensational his senior year. And the offensive line with Caress up front, that, those guys were really good. Really good. Especially as they got rolling and peaked and blew out Bilotti and the Ducks. And Bilotti, oh, they can't compete after the game. They can't compete. Shut up! Well, then if they can't compete, you can't compete. Phil, give me more money. (laughs) And Caressa gave me the greatest interview of all time. I asked him one question, and he just rambled. And then he walked away when he was done. (laughs) (laughs) He stormed off. Not walked away. He stormed off. That was awesome. (laughs) I wanted to run up and hug him. (laughs) But I thought, no, I'll just let him go. And he walked into the darkness. It was sweet. <laughs> he walked into the darkness. Yeah, if it would have been a cornfield there, that's all we would have needed. But they've got a lot of offensive talent now on this team. And that'll help take the pressure off the quarterback. Yeah. Whoever, whoever or whoever's plural it turns out to be. This is, this is a no-excuse situation. You're home. You've got a great running back. You've got a good offensive line. They don't have a good run defense. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with they that. Do not have a good run. So defense. holes all to be there, and this kid, when he barely gets past the first level, it's like he's immediately in the third level. If I gave you Algier one hundred yards over or under, you would take the oh, over. Oh, absolutely. If I go and to then we one, go to the third quarter. If I go to one fifty, would you take over or under a buck fifty? That's a big number. Depends on the complexion of the game. Do they need it? If they need it, yes. They're behind. They might be throwing the ball. If they're ahead, then they're they're going to shorten the game, and I assume they're ahead because Algiers running the ball. Well. And then you give it to Low 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 Lopini. The Boise State number is like 191 yards per game they give up. Now, quarterback may run for a few yards. Katoa typically will run for a few yards. Hey, but it would be mostly Algiers. Leighton Vanderbush or whatever his name is. He ain't walking through, through that, that door. door. What's his name, Yuck? Leighton Vander Ashby. Yeah, pretty good close yeah. right there. Cowboys linebacker. Good player. Idaho kid. Stayed home. From like a really, really oh, yeah, small like a town. 250 people. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny. Up on the Salmon River. Yeah. One yeah. stoplight. Yeah. My sure Zero stoplights. <laughs> they don't need to pave roads. I think he went to the bathroom outside. Okay, maybe. And not. then he went and got his dinner for the day. Maybe not that rural. <laughs> <laughs> you have you been to those places in Idaho? They can get very rural. <laughs> have you been to Rupert, Idaho? I've eaten in Rupert, Idaho. You have? Yeah. I've been to Rupert. And I told Scotty, yeah, we're stopping in Rupert. He calls me, what are you doing there? <laughs> I called him Burley. You're not there. <laughs> Standing in front of the McDonald's looking across the street at a Walmart that's got a McDonald's in it. What's, you what, are there. What falls has the... Uh, where Idaho? Where uh, what's his face jumped over? Tried to jump over. Evil Knievel. Oh, the Snake River. Yeah, Gorge. yeah. Twin. Twin. I that think was that Twin. Falls. Is that Twin? Twin. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we were there, but the guy with like I don't know if we can name him anymore. We wanted to get closer to home, so we get back on the freeway instead of eating there, 
And then we go and we stop and Rupert, which, wow, my goodness gracious, that was small. So I told Texas Scotty, yeah, we're eating here. He calls me up. What in the world are you doing there? I don't. I said, I don't know, but Gordon wanted to continue. We were in, was it, is it Twin Falls? Mm-hmm. What's a decent sized town? Twin Falls is a pretty good sized yeah. town. Yeah. College Southern Idaho, they got a JC. And they've got that, the falls there, what's it called? Uh... Shoshone, what's it, something like that? Shoshone Falls. Shoshone, yeah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And they had a golf course, two golf courses down on the bottom of the canyon. We played one of them. One was private, the other was public. It was absolutely gorgeous. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, everything you missed in this show, Bowler, Lincoln Kennedy, Jazz, Utes, Cougars. We'll get to it all next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Reyes on two and one. Taylor. Fly ball to left and deep and gone! Chris Taylor, a walk-off home run. The Dodgers are walking off to San Francisco. They win the wild card. Dodgers knocked the Cardinals out in the National League wild card. Tense game. Cardinals got a run on a wild pitch early, but could not get a hit with a runner in scoring position. Dodgers got a homer from Turner to tie it up. And then it got tense. Big name starters. They came out in the fifth and sixth innings, respectively. The bullpens took over, grinding their way towards the big hit in the ninth inning to win the game. Yeah, somewhere Bob Gibson's up there thinking, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Getting pulled in the yeah. fifth and sixth day. 255 complete games. Uh, in the regular season, who knows when we probably had more than that. Uh, I know he did in the playoffs, but that's the way it is. And you knew it was going to be a heartbreaker once you got to the ninth inning. It was gonna, someone was, yeah. it was Whoever was calling the game said at the end of the middle of the eighth inning, he said, and now someone is going to win it in their last at bat. Because if the Dodgers take the lead in the eighth, yeah, they went in the ninth and they're out of there. They got the walk off and the place went berserk, partly because of the game and partly because of what it sets up. The Dodgers want to play the Giants. Well, Dodger fans want to play the Giants. Giant fans want to play the Dodgers. The teams are probably thinking, shouldn't we be playing the Braves and Brewers? How come we have to go at each other right out of the gate? And these two are over here playing each other. But if you want to get the World Series, you're probably going to have to do that it out. I think the team with the best record gets the winner of the wild card game. Well, they're to reseed. Agreed, especially when you have an 88 win division champ over here and a 106 game wild card winner over there. And it's the same thing happening with the Yankees and Rays. They're staying inside the division. Now, the difference is by record, I don't think that's as big a deal in the American League, whereas it jumps right out at you in the National League because you had two teams in the same division go berserk. 
And we have plenty of years where nobody wins 106 games, and now we got 106 and 107 in the same year. Yes, so if you just went the team, if, the, if the, the Rays have the best record in the American League with 100 wins, and if you just gave them the team that had the fewest wins, they would get the Yankees at 92. So the White Sox are at 93 and the Astros at 95. But at the same time, you want Dodgers-Giants, and if you waited, there's no guarantee you'd get it. Absolutely, it's not a guarantee. You never know. Two pitchers get going, and then everything right. changes. Yeah, because now... But the 88-win Braves and the 95-win Brewers cannot be upset with the way this has played out. No, but the winner's going to get a team that is really hot. Yep. And has been hot all season. But if it had been seated differently, they might have had to play both those teams in consecutive series to get to the World Series. Now they only have to play one. You don't get to backdoor the whole thing. Well, nothing against those other two teams, but whoever comes out of this one, I'm going to root to get to the World Series. I'm an NL West guy. Get the Giants and the Dodgers in the Fall Classic. Yeah, I've been to their been their stadiums both times. I always liked, uh, and I'm I've been to most stadiums. I think I'm about eight short, but there's been a couple that have opened that are new, so I've been to their old ones. And I always said that if I'm going to a day game, the Giants is my number one stadium. If I'm going for a night game, Dodgers. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been to a night game in San Francisco. It is better in the day. You're right about that. Well, there's no question. Most stadiums are better in the day, aren't they? Uh, no, no, no. Really? No. Because then you get heat. Okay, you got me there if you're in Texas and it's no, well, I went to the degrees. When I went to Pac-12 Media Day this year, uh, we drove down to St. George, spent the night, got up, left at 6.30, drove straight to Dodger Stadium for a Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock start, and it was really hot. I mean, it was almost, and at times, uncomfortably hot. Whereas, if that game would have been at 7, you'd be fine. It would be awesome. Yep. When that sun's setting over there. I went to a Sunday 1 o'clock game in San Diego, and even though it's right on the bay and you'd expect the ocean breeze or whatever, it was totally still. And you just felt like you were sitting there baking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Had your back to the bay. But I have been to giant games, many gay day games, and I've never felt that. You can actually wear a sweatshirt. Sometimes you need to. We had, uh, my wife and I went, for, we've, been, we've done this many times, we'll fly up after work Friday, go to a Friday night, Saturday, and then come home Sunday. And so the Saturday day game, uh, it was, uh, we got there way early, and we're out on the right field thing, about the, the, there's that sidewalk between the stands and McCovey Cove. And so we're out there, and this gal comes up to us, hey, uh, we'll give you uh, giant uh, hoodies if we can put you on the scoreboard and you're just act crazy giant fans, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the swag team hooking yeah. you up. Yeah. And suddenly, okay. suddenly, you're the world's biggest giant Yeah, so fans. we put on, and I, st- I have it. It's at home. It's an orange with a black SF. And you sent us the video of you doing it on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because remember. it was before the game, and but they ran it like in the fourth inning, <laughs> right? And they told us shoot it, tape it, put it. So in the I'm just going crazy. She's going crazy, but she kind of petered out, thinking, "Are we done yet?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm used to the TV camera, so I, yeah, I'm just yeah. dancing, carrying on until they said stop. She's like. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> and you got your free hoodie out of it. Where I'm just going to town. Yeah, plus they gave us like uh, 200 bucks a piece in uh, 
gift shop credit. Look at you, little mini Danny yeah, Ainge, guys who don't need it getting well, free they stuff. they just came up to us. I'm, don't explain. <laughs> don't get all defensive. Whenever I do this, you get defensive. Randomly, they said, would that you do good, this? That felt good, Yach, just in case you're wondering. And I said, yeah, sure. And then we went out. I've um, been to lots of games early. No one's come up and offered me free stuff I to know. put me on the jumbo truck. It was random. I got it. And just, then we went out uh, by the fourth inning. It was uh, like the four, in between the top of the fourth, bottom of the fourth. And so then we went out by the screen to film it. And there I am looking like a complete lunatic dancing up a storm. I mean, John Travolta, eat your heart out. Gregory Hines, yeah, I've right, got fine. nothing on me. White Sox and Astros today at 2 on FS1. Fred Astaire, forget you. Red Sox and Rays <laughs> at 6 o'clock on FS1. Fred Astaire. My grandmother wants a word, PK. <laughs> Padres fired their manager, Jace Tingler. You can't talk about World Series and then end up uh, 79 and 83, as it turns out. Well, see, actually, though, that's shrewd. Because if you're not going to get in the postseason, get a higher draft selection spot. <laughs> okay. Right? No. What do you mean, no? It doesn't get you anything if you finish. It's where they got 87 wins. I could have been more entertained. Yeah, but suppose they end up picking. Uh, Bob Gibson, quality pitcher in this uh, uh, selection. Yeah, it'd be great as long as he didn't get hurt like all the other pitchers. Well, I always thought next year was their year because they get the Clevenger guy back. Yep. And uh, I'm hoping so. so. Well, yeah, he's coming back from Tommy John. He's supposed to, right? There's been hundreds of guys have come back from yep. that. So Some guys have come back from it twice. That's true. Uh, I think Hudson, the guy they had coming out of the bullpen that they picked up from Washington, they, he had it twice. Yep, they mentioned it during the game. Oh, they did? Yeah, because he was with the Diamondbacks since I know that. Thursday night football tonight, so you'll have baseball and football, the NFL, NFC West, Rams, Seahawks, 620 on Fox. The two divisions that don't have a team with a losing record, AFC and NFC West. Two and two get you last place in those divisions. Forget that, man. We're punking Lone Peak tonight. That's what it's all about. You and your high and mighty and your private coaching, we got you. Corner Canyon, Lone yeah, Peak. Yeah, it's our 87th win in a row. K-Jazz 14 tonight. Oh, yeah. I've Dave Fox on the call. I've seats of the bleachers. I'm going to be right there in the 50-yard line, screaming at care if he cro- throws a, uh, calls a crappy play. Straight, uh, maybe he'll break a clipboard and give you it as a souvenir. 48 straight is the state record for wins. Duchesne and Corner Canyon both have 48-game streaks. Duchesne's was about a decade ago. Corner Canyons can go to 49 tonight. Set the Big state game. record. ESPN's going to be there. And then if they win, they'll get their 47th trophy that CARE stores in some storage room. <laughs> <laughs> Put it over there. Give you a trophy after the game. It's a sponsored trophy. Here you go. Put it next to that state title trophy. Or the one we gave you three weeks ago. They had to build a warehouse for all the hardware they got. True story. <laughs> Justin Fields is the Bears starter going forward, 2-2. Two and two. Lincoln Kennedy was on saying the first four games, first month of the NFC's, NFL season and now the new preseason to shake down Cruz because nobody wants to get anybody hurt in the preseason. So he just shakes off stuff like the Packers looking terrible week one. They won the next three. They're fine. Seattle losing their first two. They won the next two. That's shake fine. Shakedown? And for all the hits he had, that was Bob Seeger's most popular record, Shakedown. That's crazy. You would have thought night moves would have been, but no. Yes. 
It's sh- shake down, break down. Because I think it was some theme song for some Miami some Vice movie? type thing. Oh, some show. Remember yeah. when Miami Vice was hot? Yep. Yeah, those guys ripped off the way I dressed back then. Awesome. Ladies loved it. So now the NFL season starts to get real, in Lincoln Kennedy's opinion. And he believes it will not get real for Kansas City. The Super Bowl hangover is going to doom them. The defense will not be shored up. The problems will continue in a very competitive division. Did they not make the playoffs? I mean, for them, uh, if you know, won now, the Super Bowl and you've been seven, there again, it's all about winning it again. Seven, so. Right. Seven teams make the playoffs now. I'd be reluctant to say they can't make the playoffs. You're, so would I. You're I, two and but, two. If you get to ten and seven, you ought to be in. But because so few teams make the playoff, if you make the playoff, I'm also reluctant to say you had a bad season. You may not have met your goal. Fourteen of the 32 make the playoffs in the NFL. Almost half. And I would think that they could... They could get to that. Although it's a tough division, tougher schedule. You don't have gimmies in that division the way people get in other and divisions. And plus football being in it's such an injury-prone sport. Another massive wild card with 13 it's games It's very, to very go. hard to accomplish. So I'm not ready to bury them yet. Not well, when you got a talent like Mahomes and Andy Reid pulling the strings there. Bills and Chiefs Sunday night game. Bills. It's hard to win a primetime game in Arrowhead. Not many teams do it, but the Bills could do it. The Bills and Wyoming's Josh Allen. One scholarship offer out of some dink town up there by Fresno. Yeah. And it was Wyoming, and he took it. And look at what happened. Does he replace Jim Kick as their famous, most famous alum? Wyoming's, the the Wyoming legend. Yeah. Football, all sports. Now that's Jim Kick with two eyes. Uh, that's a fact. Played in a softball league in Persephone, New Jersey. Jim did? Mm-hmm. Nice. Went and saw him play. The unbeaten Dolphin team, he was a, he was a big deal. Yeah. Zonka, Mercury Morris, three-headed running back position. Lakers have announced Trevor Ariza will be sidelined for about two months. Surgery on his ankle. An arthroscopic debridement procedure. He'll be reevaluated in eight weeks. Not back in eight weeks. Reevaluated in eight weeks. What's that put us? Uh, Early December. Be a month, more than a month into the season. Debridement. There's a lot of jokes there, and I'm going to pass. Good one. Good decision. <laughs> so I think the bigger story with the, the Lakers, I mean, everything doesn't rest on Trevor Ariza. You know, he'd be a role player for him, probably do a nice job. Whatever Westchester High's Trevor Ariza. But on a team full of 35, 36, and 37-year-olds, there's a 36-year-old having surgery before the season tips off. How many more injuries will follow? And not that all of these injuries are caused by age. Some will be, some won't be, probably. Well, he said, I got my injury on your time, so I'm getting my surgery on your time. That's a different guy. Oh. (laughs) The timeline fits the story, but that wasn't what he said. Sure, reason, man. He's had a nice career. He's played for like 10 teams, but man, he's got to make a bundle of money. And the Jazz lost to the Mavericks, 111-101. Jared Butler looking good, 9 of 18 shooting, 22 points, dribbling into step-back He's threes. He's so good. If I'm Mitchell, I'm, fra- I'm afraid. Of what? Playing time. Do I lose my, lose my stature to It's a Jared bizarre Butler? thing for you to say, but on the other hand, every Jazz fan hopes that's true. Hopes that's true. This guy's <laughs> so good, we don't have time for Mitchell. In a sport where five guys are on the court, I don't see how that's even possible, but... Yeah, but only one guy is shooting. I think the, the thing here is they've sat most of the starters, although Royce O'Neal did start. The other four guys sat. And they sat most of their bench guys. 
they've got the guys trying to figure out who should make the roster and which of these guys should step into the rotation on a night where there's foul trouble, a night where someone's not playing a back-to-back, or you got an injury. Who steps in? Who goes to the front of the line? Agreed, but I don't know the two preseason games are showing you that. All it helps is, plus with whatever practices and scrimmages they've had that we haven't seen, is they got to decide who gets the first shot. That's true. Because Deservedly once you get the so, shot, yeah. you got to prove it. You got to capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. And a shot probably doesn't mean you go in one time for 12 minutes, but you get your run of whatever it is, three, five, six games if it's an injury. And then if it doesn't work, they move on to another guy. Okay, let's give this guy a shot. And to your point, what position does he play? What position would they want him to play? You know, he's the, the point guard designation. Somebody initiates the offense, but the Jazz already have three veterans who do that at a pretty high level. So who can he defend, and what role do they want to put him in? Or maybe they want to play someone like Forrest who really can do that and have the other guys in more of a shooting role and not bringing the ball up all the time. I don't have near enough knowledge and haven't spoken to near enough people to be able to make any assessment on that. Agreed, and I don't know that whatever assessment they made now would hold up a month from now. You know, it's, but we'll it's see a work it. in progress. We'll see it, and it'll going, show. Going forward, we will. But nevertheless, I tend to not buy into hype. And I was wrong on Mitchell. I remember guys were buying into hype on him on Summer League, and I'm saying, I'm not doing it. I was 100% wrong. Because he's proven whatever hype he had obviously was worth it. Uh, but I have to admit that watching Butler, particularly last night as it's flicking over between the uh, baseball game and the jazz game, he looked like he belonged. He looked like an NBA player who belongs out there. I'll give you that for whatever game, that means. The game was moving more slowly than an NBA game does, just the eye test. Because there were guys who won't be in the NBA and there were guys who will be buried at the end of the bench in the NBA playing most of the minutes. The, he looked like he was moving much faster than the game. There's one highlight, and Locke played it, or Yock played it earlier this morning, where David Locke says that was an NBA move. You know, sure. he's dribbling between the legs into a step back yeah, three. And I'll buy he's it. in rhythm, he's on balance. It looked easy for him. Other he does guys look very smooth. There. I'll give yeah. you that. Other guys are out there competing, giving it their all. I mean, this is the dream, and they're so close. And yeah, for yeah, a lot yeah. of them, it can go either way. Right. Right. But he looked like he was just kind of above the fray. Okay. Yeah. I'll go with that. DJ PK, when we come back, your tweets, your feedback. Next, stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific, you know, Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. (laughs) Yeah. about that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, uh, Max, why Hawaii. Oh, yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. You okay. just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Hawaii means I love you. Because... You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. PK, are you kidding me? The greatest running back performance of all times, hands down, was Jamal Williams' Good Samaritan story. 
Hands down. What's hands down? Jamal Williams. What about him? Good Samaritan story. I don't know. <laughs> I have it. It's from what do you got, Yaki? two or three years ago. He was on with Hands and Scotty, and they were asking him about kind of his his background. Because he's not a member of the faith, the predominant faith down there in Provo. He's not? No, he's not. Oh. Uh, but he was talking about he had to take these religion classes, which are required of all BYU student-athletes and all students down there, and what he'd learned in them. And let's just put it this way. He had a very unique interpretation of the Good Samaritan story. So would you like me to play it for you guys? No. Okay, well, that's <laughs> it's very unique. Uh, compared Bloods and Crips to the Good Samaritan story, that's just something. He's up entertaining. That. Yes, and it was it was highly entertaining. And that's what it's about. He was always entertaining. Wish him well. And he's already he still is entertaining everything. in Detroit. He's beating the NFL odds. Yeah, I think he's year four or five now. Yeah, yeah. The the average bounces around, but it's and, two and a half to three years. And he's got running back. He's got a running yeah, back. Running back. It's a super short average. He's starting for the Lions. Like he's good for him. He's living the dream. Yeah, good for him, man. He stuck it out. Could have gone other places. No, he stuck it out. I'm a fan of his for sure. All right, here they come. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm in a three-point stance right now. Time for your tweets, your feedback. I got my hand on the carpet. Utah OSB, Raiders game, and no Tony Romo? It's a Christmas miracle. You don't like no Tony Romo? There are people who don't like Tony, and they tweet at me all the time whenever we get a Tony Romo game. Yes, they don't like him. And then there's people who don't like the Broncos, and people feel like, well, either we get the Broncos or we get Tony Romo. And now there's no Romo and no Broncos, so it's a Christmas miracle. I just don't. Care who's announcing the games? It <laughs> you, just doesn't. Matter. You don't, but other people do. Other people will watch a game just to hear Gus Johnson yell and scream and lose his mind. Really? Yes. I would not watch a game. Nothing against Gus Johnson. He's fine and he's entertaining and he does a great job. But I'm about the game. And I get that, and I believe you, but other people aren't. And Tony Roman does nothing to bother me. Nothing. Yeah, I don't get it either. I, I think he's fine. He's good. He's made the transition seamlessly. Gus is really starting to buy into his own hype, it feels like. In some oh, really? Ways. Yeah. I feel like he's really... Because he was here for a game. I'm bad on time. It was a while ago now. He, but like he walked up from a hotel. He was calling an NBA game here. And, and one of our producers reached out, got him, and he walked up this to the show. He had zero ego. Yeah, this, I was super impressed. I, 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 I've got he no did. personal knowledge of this. It just yeah. seems like the the recent, what they call gusgasms out there, are a little over the top. Oh, well, I, was, I hate guys who think they're, they're all that, and they're so full of themselves, and they're loud, and think their opinion matters. I got it. I got it. It just doesn't make any sense Yeah, DJ, to me. stop it. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I okay. hate you. That wasn't the point. <laughs> Thanks, Jacques. Thanks for accelerating that. <laughs> I wasn't going there. I know. But... You were talking about yourself, and I got it, and then Jacques came there. in. Yeah. Yeah. I blame you, Yacht. It's a team approach. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, Craig here. And now I'm going to butcher it again, but he sends me a uh, pronunciation for uh, debridement, which it turns out is not debridement. Debridement? De- de- I don't know how to pronounce upside down E. <laughs> debridement? I don't know. Learn to pronounce. Noun, medicine, the removal of damaged tissue or foreign objects from a wound. <laughs> I don't have any foreign objects in my wounds. <laughs> and I've got plenty of wounds. <laughs> They're all domestic objects. <laughs> Cracking yourself up now. Mercifully, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you.